are we fighting to save the humans? They're a primitive and violent race. Were we so different? They're a young species. They have much to learn. But I've seen goodness in them. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You all know there's only one way to end this war. We must destroy the cube. If all else fails, I will unite it with the spark in my chest. That's suicide. The cube is raw power. It could destroy you both. A necessary sacrifice to bring peace to this planet. We cannot let the humans pay for our mistakes. It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out! We roll! minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 on this, the month of January in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk. Thank you for coming along. We appreciate it, ladies and germs, ladies and gents, friends, amigos, companions, fellow travelers, uh, colleagues, etc. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503 503- 733-2970. If you'd like to uh, join us today, it is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. It is 503-733-2970. Glad to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, whatever it is you might have to contribute today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or what Mr. Malvert would call the absurd. It is uh, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at 
RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. And by the way, for those who are playing the Rick Emerson home game today, everything we have printed out is on bright orange paper because we're out of all the other paper today. And this is like the third time this has happened in about three months, so it's all part of doing more with less. So I'm not doing our job in a more colorful fashion, so here you go. Everything is on bright orange paper, which actually matches the scarf that Sarah Dillon is wearing. So there you go. It does indeed. Excellent. All right. You should just tell everybody you're color coordinating with the office supplies here. <laughs> that would make me sound extra super hip. Let's quickly go around the room. Sarah Dillon, Richie Bristol, My myself. favorite office supply? Well, now I was going to say favorite office supply, but I was going to say most valuable office supply in the sense that you kind of keep it put away so that other people can't buy Like, you know, somebody comes by and says, uh, look, can I pe- give you a piece of scotch tape? You say, here you go. Here's a piece of scotch tape. Could I get a pencil? Here you go, a pencil. There's office supplies, though, that you don't volunteer to share, or you keep them stashed away so that you can monitor. You know, you can control how many you're going out the door. Mm-hmm. Most valuable office supplies. Sarah Dillon, go. I would say highlighters. Oh, good one. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm-hmm. Good one. Richie Bristol, most valuable office supply. Sharpies. See, no, I think yours is a post-it. Do you use a lot of post-its? No, Sharpies. Sharpie? See, I would have gone right for post-its. I would have gone, so a highlighter, Sharpie. Here's the thing about the Sharpie. Something, did you notice this? Is Like nine times out of ten, the Sharpie doesn't get, like it doesn't get thrown away when it's sort of dried out. You know what I mean? Like when it's just sort of denuded or what a word like that. Or it gets all blunted down and it can't write with it anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just come over here and see what, but just, will you come over and look at this email? What's, I don't mean to be What's so, happening? I don't mean oh, to be so distracted. Hold on. Here's what just happened. I was just trying to make an interesting observation, which I thought would be funny and relatable, <laughs> about Sharpies and office supplies. And Sarah just suddenly turned around and you recoiled as though you had been stung in the eye <laughs> by a large insect of some kind. I'm just saying, why don't you come over to my computer? Is this going to be a thing I can't talk about on the air? No, you can talk about it. <laughs> okay, so just now as I was setting up the program, it was like y- y- your body language just now, Sarah, was like, you know what it was? It was like uh, y- you were, what's his name? It was like you were, uh, it was like you were Mace Window. Mace Window. Uh, Mace Windu being, uh, you know, you know, where the emperor said unlimited power, you know, and you just sort of whirled around. You just recoiled away from your microphone right now, like someone had punched you in the face. Is this was this a reaction to something maybe. that just appeared on your computer just yeah. now? All right, so maybe. am I allowed to look at it now? Let's walk carefully through these next few moments, because I get the feeling that. Whatever you saw is... Why don't you come over and look at my computer and right. then tell me what you think we should do about this situation. <laughs> right. So I'm going to come over and look at... I'm going to come over and look at Sarah Dillon's computer. You're still attached to your headphones, though. Yes. <laughs> wow, really? But then why don't you go over to that computer? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. All right. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that no. one. No. No. <laughs> All right. Well, never mind. Well, that certainly was distracting. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract so That's much. Okay. That's okay. Well, one never knows what's happening. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody about that. No, I'm no, sorry. No, that's Maybe we should restart. We should reset the show again. Let's reset the show again. Okay. All right. We're going to stop right now, and we're going to reset. All right. And three, two, one.
beginning again. Why, hello, it is 12 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of uh, January in the year of our Lord, 2009. All right, well, in any event, I don't even remember what my office supply observation was going to be. doesn't really matter at this point. The point is, for me, it's all about post-it notes, because in every office, there's a sort of, there's a three-level hierarchy of post-it notes. There's the primary, the secondary, and the tertiary. Yeah, the, they're the ones that are, um, like he has the generic ones that have no like stickiness to them. So every time you try to put it on like any kind of piece of paper. Or you get the ones that are sort of like, uh, that they're tchotchkes given to you by a movie company where it's like, you know, the Sex in the City post-it notes or something. It, here's the thing about post-it notes. And I don't mean to be just like every hack comedian right now going, you know, the thing about post-it notes is, the, the thing about post-it notes though is, it's that it is exactly the right amount of adhesion that they have. Because sometimes they just fall right off. Other times they stick way too, you know, way too firmly. And then when you go to pull it off, just everything comes with it. So it's all about having just the right amount of adhesive on the back, so that, you know, so that the traction it gets is just perfect. Here's the other thing, though. I would say the gold standard post-it note is the full-size post-it note that is a sort of, uh, it is a sort of uh, pale yellow color. But then after that, then you get post-it notes that are like pink. Or like green or something. Mm. Or right upstairs in my office right now, the only post-it notes I have are the tiny little miniature ones that are about one inch I by about you half an like inch. Four words on them. Well, that's and you ask yourself, what are those even used for? Like, what what is the purpose of post-it notes of that size? The answer is that nobody knows. So I'm saying for me. Your post-it note really is your most valuable office supply. Highlighters, though, as well, because everybody goes right for the yellow highlighter. Mm -hmm. And then right below yellow is sort of like, again, pink and blue and orange. I like green better than pink. I have a pink one right now. But yellow is the gold standard, again. Yellow is like, that. that is the, that really is what everybody thinks of when you say highlighter. Highlighters also have that problem where if you use them for too long, the end, like, it's not only, not only do they start to run out of ink, but the end actually gets all mucked up. Where it gets all, you know, it gets all like blackened and whatnot. And then you go to highlight something and it's just a smear of gray right across the front. You can't even read whatever the thing is. Anyway, so there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Here's what's coming up in the program. CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, will join us from the Hill today as uh, we are now one day away from George W. Bush's farewell speech. We are now... Well, I get whatever Tuesday, so like whatever that is, five days, six days, something like that, until Barack Obama's inauguration. Uh, so we'll talk to Lisa about that. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, will be joining us from um, uh, from New York City, and we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Also, joining us at the uh, news desk today will be our good friend Dave Schmidtke. Uh, hey. Dave Schmidtke stepping in. He was actually here on the 22nd, which is that kind of the worst of all of the snow weekdays. Uh, so he'll be joining us for the second time. Dave Schmidt here today. Uh, we may or may not have another installment of our hunt for the worst story in the history of the world. We'll answer the magical question, how will Sarah Dillon die? Um, and Thank you, Ray. No, I've got the No, really, I've got, got the answer right here. And this isn't one of those, like, this is one of those banner ad things from, like, when you're on um, MySpace or something. How will you die? Click here to find out. I'm just saying I believe that you have a doppel or had a doppel uh, in another part of the world. And so we will look into the future and find out the demise of Sarah Dillon and how it will transpire. Thanks, Rick. You really know how to build me up. It's what I do. Uh, let's see. Geek Watch coming up today. Snuff Watch coming up today. Mr. Skin, I think, tomorrow, not today. Yes, yes tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. And uh, we'll play the entire Slap Chop uh, infomercial as well. So there you go. It's 503-733-2970. We are joined today, as always, by the uh, lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. 
I had a fun-filled day yesterday. Did you really? Well, I mean, some of it. No, no, it wasn't. No, that was one of my sarcastic fun days. Oh, no, uh, well, I had to spend part of it. Was it especially fun between like noon and one thirty? Oh, God. let's just. I already had to relive that between ten and eleven. Let's just move forward now. Yes. Yes. I'm okay. trapped in here listening right. to that. So, um, yeah, I went. I had to go to the DMV after the show, which kind of sucked. Yeah, so yeah. I had to sit in there, of course, just to be told that the thing I wanted to get accomplished. Uh, I had. I had there, like, what were you trying to get accomplished? Steps. Trying to get my car registered. The car right in, yes. in Oregon, yes. Yeah. So, but I have to go to the DEQ and then get some other stuff. Oh, no, you yeah. got yeah, you got to go to I the totally thing where they forgot. hook the hose and up I, to your car. Yeah, and I've registered cars before. Totally forgot I had to go to the DEQ. So did that, then went and met up with uh, Brad, the car guy. Had a cocktail with him, then went to um, my friend's gym and did a little exercising, then watched a movie, and then went out, and now I am here. So wait, you took your car. Wait, did you bicycle to the DMV? Yeah. Okay, so you bicycle to the DMV, and they said, where is your DEQ thing? Yeah. So and you said, like, we need to go to the DEQ, get it tested, and then, you know, pay a crap load of money in order to get it registered. Here's the thing about that, though, and I know that it, I know that it really is just a low-hanging fruit to rail on the DMV because they're jackasses, because they typically are. And and that, I mean, it is no coincidence that Patty and Selma on The Simpsons work at the DMV because you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be fast, you don't have to be efficient, you don't have to be polite, you don't have to be, you don't even have to have the barest rudiments of pleasantry, uh, you know, there when you deal with somebody. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, I've gone, I went to the DEQ about, uh, I don't know, four months ago, and man, I was in and out in like six minutes. I have to say it really was amazing because I, and I think part of that is that you just expect it to be awful. Like when you go to the, the, the I don't even know what the, the Department of Emission Quality, but the thing where they test to make sure that your car is not, you know, like in the, the smog enough the whole joint. I went there and I had just sort of bracketed out in my uh, day planner like an hour. I figured I was going to go there. It was going to be just some interminable wait, and the, the, you know, then I finally was going to have to leave. I think I got there around 3:30, and I think I was rolling out by around 3:45. So I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. When you go to the DEQ, that would be my hope. Okay. So that's I because I think that was the first time I've actually had to go here because I got because my the car that I you know like you know when you buy a new car it actually is already you know they've already done that so this is the first time I had to go and it was fine so I don't it shouldn't be much of an issue. That just sucks because I don't mind going to the DEQ but now then I have to go back and sit and wait at the DMV. Well, again. see that's but see that's the suck that yeah. that is really where that's the, the DEQ is fine you have to get out of your car you just you know roll through and wait for them to do it but not yeah. to go back to the DMV with all these like you know mouth breathers. No and it's always and you're right and it's always just like goon town. Mm -hmm. I mean when you're sitting there in the DMV and you're sitting there in the waiting room and you're just and everywhere you look, it's just like the wretched refuse of humanity. And you're just saying, like, who are these people and why am I among them? Mm -hmm. so, all right. But it was cute yesterday because there were a bunch of little 16-year-old girls all like taking their driver's license. Now, have you sold your last car? No, I think I'm just going to donate it. Oh, come on. No, it's falling apart, dude. It's dead. It's like sitting out in front of but my But it house. runs. It works. You turn the key, it runs. Kind of. That is all it takes it to sell your car really to somebody. really bad, and I don't want to take the time to clean it. I'm telling I'd you. I'd rather just give it to somebody. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm just telling you right now, if, if that's your choice, fine. I mean, if you really want to do, you know, just kind of put up a thing saying, look, take if want, and then let somebody haul it away, that's great. I'm just making the point that you are leaving money in the street by not selling it to some gullible teenager. They don't care if it stinks. They don't care if the car is actually on fire when you sell it to them. It doesn't matter. I mean, as soon as you get that driver's license in your hand, or even, Jesus, even your, like, your, your permit or whatever when you're 15 and a half, the, they, you you will pay anything for any car that okay, has four wheels. Okay, I guess if I slap it up on Craigslist for like three hundred bucks. That's it, man. You speak like you know that you find uh, somebody who is especially now because we're halfway through the school year, which means because they do when you drivers ed in school, if they do it the same way they did when I was going to school, they do 
you know, for like first right, semester, second semester. Do you think so much dirtiness as a point on Craigslist? Be like, it's filthy, and That's a bottle bottle seeing. exploded in it. There might be rats living in the but trunk. But it runs and it's cheap. <laughs> but it runs it? because they finished and it. And has a CD player. <laughs> because the semester changeover happens in January, which means that there was a whole class of kids that just now uh, finished driver's ed and they're ready to go get their licenses and that's it they, and they don't want to be borrowing like like the dad's econo line or something so i'm just telling you right there money in the bank right here all right hello richie bristol how are you i'll buy your car 300 bucks you want to buy my car yeah really for my brother yeah. okay take it i'll give you cash that's right an now. oral contract i heard it all right all right there you go. Here, i'll count it out right now do you have 300 dollars in your wallet who are you Richie has to. Two, whoa, 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 three. dude! Look at that. Richie has a wallet full of fifties. <laughs> okay, I just sold my car. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't. That, I don't understand how that. No, 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 no. No, you're not allowed to put that away yet. Why do you have a wallet full of fifties? Uh, I don't like the bank right now. <laughs> how much money? Okay, not counting this three hundred you just gave to Sarah. How I much? have three hundred dollars in my hand. I have net. Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. How much money? Not count. Okay. In other words, that three hundred you just gave to Sarah out of your wallet. WTF? How much total money do you have on you? Counting that. Maybe eight hundred bucks. In your wallet? Attention, muggers. <laughs> I, I'm. You were carrying a thousand dollars in your wallet just now. Are oh, you gonna have to come over and jump it because it's it's dead? What? I didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm still back on the busy. You well, had my brother from Eugene will come down and get it. You had eight hundred dollars in your wallet just now. Uh huh. Do you always carry that much cash? No, no. It, what makes today special? Uh, I don't like the bank right now. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that, but what? To, but I mean, okay. I hadn't gone to the bank to put it in there yet, so. Okay, well, fair enough. Well, there you go, Sarah. Never mind. Quit calling about the car. Thank Sarah you. just sold her car to Richie for three hundred dollars. Really needs a car, so. That's really nice. Well, see, now I will clean it. Uh, that's the weirdest thing that's ever happened. So, and it has like a really nice um, CD player. You're selling it. past the clothes. He's already oh, yeah. given you the money. Mm-hmm. I had to take that out before I get to my brother. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, key is to, the key is to stop talking now. Okay. Because he's giving. My wallet's a little thicker. To, yeah, you don't want to say anything else because the, you know the, he's already. Yeah, he's giving. He's giving you the cash. Uh, that's I wonderful. I went from zero dollars to three hundred. Well, who says radio doesn't pay? So. Okay. All right, fantastic. All right. Uh, so, well, there's probably not no more time to do anything else here. So later on, we'll play that whole slap chop, uh, that whole slap chop infomercial from yesterday. And by the way, if my voice sounds a little weird, it's because I had Indian food last night, and I actually it was so spicy that it scored out the inside of my larynx. So if my voice sounds a little raw. Uh, it's because I had all this chicken vindaloo, which I. And, and the moral of the story is, don't ever ask them to make it as spicy as they can, because then it's just going to be. It's just like eating. I mean, it was good, but man, it was just like eating fistfuls of battery acid. So there you go. All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'll take a break here. We'll come back after this with Lisa Desjardins. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, uh, Dave Schmidtke will be here uh, for the uh, news hour. We'll have another contender for the worst story in the history of the world and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Well, she did. That's so funny. And to be fair, she sounded very pleasant. She sounded like a nice woman. It was just strange. All right, well, in any event. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, and just not to constantly be dwelling on yesterday's unpleasantness. It's honestly like 
I feel even grosser about it today, especially since I'm stuck in this room having to listen to it. Really? Sort of like a can wash away the dirt. Because when I was in the moment, um, I wasn't sure that other people were hearing what was going on. Well, that was the thing about yesterday. So yesterday's uh, news hour, which ended up just being one hour, one incredibly awkward, uncomfortable hour, uh, with uh, with Stacey Wilson, who was here, and it just it ended up uh, going uh, poorly. And it's not so. You know, we'll, we'll move on here in a moment. But I, but you are correct in the sense that in the moment, I don't think you and I, you and I, were kept looking at each other, going, "Is this really? Do you? Is this sounding as bad to you as it is to me? Are you as uncomfortable as I am?" That's kind of one of those. Am I crazy? And everybody else thinks it's wonderful. But then we went out and we sort of canvassed everybody in the building afterward, and we're checking our email, and everybody was sort of on the same page as us. But no, I, and then listening to it again today, I'm just like, wow. Like, see, and I didn't have to hear it again today because I was upstairs doing some stuff. So that's I why I think it threw me off a little at the beginning oh, of the show because oh. I'm like, that was bad. So on the recap, it sounded just as awkward. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, it sounded even more so. I should say two things. One, um, and I will, I will say preemptively that. Um, her mom does sound like a very nice person. I mean, really, in all sincerity. But her mother left me this voicemail message yesterday. I was up checking my voicemail after the show, and it was like in all my regular voicemails. And then, and then Stacy's mother uh, left. Stacy Wilson's mom left me this voicemail saying that um, that she that she believes that I misunderstood uh, that I misunderstood her daughter and that her daughter is a very nice person. Whatever. But the way we, you know, and again, the, you, know, I'm, you know, her mother sounds like a very charming person. You know, so I would. You know, Nothing against her, but uh-huh. but her mom kept referring to Stacy Wilson as Stacy Wilson. That was the strange <laughs> thing about it. Like her mom kept going, Rick, I don't think you understand that Stacy Wilson is a very nice person, and Stacy Wilson doesn't do her hair before she comes on the show. I don't know why you would say that. So Stacy Wilson is very charming, and I think that really the audience didn't understand that Stacy Wilson really is a great gal. It, it was oh it was God. just odd that the mom kept using like her full name every time she would refer to Stacy Wilson. So, in any event. Uh, oh, and then, so and then finally, my final thing, and then I'll read this uh, this, little, this, uh, this story about Alec Baldwin later, and then i got to do a thing that will touch the least edition. Final thing, and this undoubtedly is related to yesterday's awkwardness. So I got up the air yesterday, and I had a voicemail from Byron Beck that I've never even listened to. I just haven't even bothered to hear it, because you know that it's Byron probably calling up to like, read me the riot act about it. I think oh, you've was, got to listen to it on the air. Because I think she was a friend. I think she's a friend of Byron's, which I think is how we, which is I think how we initially made contact with her. So I got off the air yesterday after just just really an excoriating couple of hours, and I looked at my phone. And it was like you have a message from Byron back, and I was like f that, and I just like I just turned my phone off. I was like screw that. So I'll listen to it later. Uh, before we welcome Lisa Desjardins to the program, I do want to tell you, uh, just, just because Rick Emerson cares. Uh, that Valentine's Day, of course, is looming on the horizon. And however you may deny this, if you wait, you know that there will be, um, there's going to be punishment. There's going to be scorning and, and suffering and pain of all varieties. But as always, uh, Rick Emerson and CBS Radio are here to make your life better. So here's what you do right now. Go to 970.am right now. Click on the Portland half-off Valentine's Day banner. Uh, and you can save 50% half-off. From places like uh, the Italian Joint, which is uh, right there in Southeast Hawthorne, which is a really my favorite restaurant, a fantastic restaurant. And I went there because you would actually recommend it. It's really good. It's a really truly great place. You can get uh, fifty dollars in gift certificates to the Italian Joint for twenty-five bucks. Uh, fifty dollars in gift certificates for twenty-five bucks. Uh, something else available right now: a certificate for fifty bucks toward the adoption of a pet from the Oregon Humane Society. Uh, right now, that is only fifteen dollars. So uh, don't wait, don't delay, don't dally. Go to 970.am, click on the Portland Half-Off Valentine's Day banner, uh, and check out a whole list of businesses you can choose from. The Portland Half-Off Valentine's Day sale, which is happening right now, 
at 970.am. So uh, do that at this moment. Also at this moment, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us here on the Rick Emerson Show. How are you, Lisa? Hi, guys. Hello. How are? How was your time off? Are you feeling better? I miss you. Yeah, I, I feel much better. And I actually was on the West Coast for a couple of days. I was in um, San Francisco. What was happening in San Francisco? Uh, well, they had you know they had some good riots in in uh, Oakland. <laughs> some great riots. They had some really splendid civil unrest. Some really serious civil unrest. Yeah, they, there there is a lot of anger uh, in that city. Hey, here's a weird thing about that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it seems to me that that story has not received a lot of play. And is that just because of everything else going on? If you, you know what we're talking about. There was yeah, this right. incident on the BART, which is the, the, the Bay Area Rapid Transit. It's their light rail system. Where And I don't really know how everything is going to shake out, but there's this uh, a couple of people caught on their cell phones, on cell phone video, what looked very much like the San Francisco cops, a cop anyway, uh, right. there were some some youths uh, causing trouble and engaging in fisticuffs and whatever. But it looked for all the world like these cops had the guy face down on the pavement, and then one of them just shot him like point blank in the back of the head. I'm not. That is how it looked, and that's how it looked to almost everybody, which is why there was all of this rioting happening. Right. But it's the name of Oscar Grant, a father, an African American guy, young guy. But it's odd that it hadn't really been. I mean, relatively speaking, there's not a lot of discussion about it right now. Yeah, so you know, CNN the first. Two days when that video first came out, I felt like I saw I saw it on CNN a lot, and and then after that I I don't understand you know we're there I you know I was kind of always like guys there are you know blocks of Oakland you know where there are riots right. now and uh, you know I I agree I I thought it was that it should have gotten more coverage it was it in that city in San Francisco and especially in Oakland it is really palpable. Um, I was getting on the BART at one point, and I just happened to be walking by a huge post, a police recruiting poster. It's a BART uh, police recruiting. And uh, in the space of just two minutes of me walking by, from the other direction comes one girl, you know, just a cute college-looking girl, and she just looks at it and just kind of, like, says, who would want to do that now? Like, just kind of has a look of disgust. Right. And she walks by, and then another guy walks by. And he actually, like, goes up to it like he's thinking of doing something to it, and then he kind of looks around and walks away. He just sort of glowers menacingly yeah. and then moves on. Yeah, like, do I have a pen? What can I do? What can I do to this poster? Uh, so, yeah, it was very serious. So what is it? Has the, has the police department actually made any sort of official statement? Like, well, we know this looks bad, but give us a break. We'll look into it. Well, the officer who was involved has actually resigned, which creates another problem in a way because um, it's, it's not the police force can't fire him now right. and take the ultimate step. But they say they are still investigating, and of course, uh, the police continue to say that you know we train our guys, and this is not this does not represent at all what we stand for, and you know we we are very careful. We're not sure what happened. So all of when you have statements like that, you know, which are which could be legitimate that they're investigating, or could be trying to buy time. Those are things that generally just fuel more anger. But it, it seems in the last maybe day or two. Uh, things are starting to calm down as as this the, the man who was killed, Oscar Grant, his family is now asking for people to become. They've they've said no, we really we, we don't want violence from this. Just all kinds of uh, just it all is kinds of really bad. wild story. Yeah, it was interesting being in San Francisco though versus Portland. You know, Jason and I because those are basically the only two West Coast cities we've been in, and um, San Francisco seemed more like an East Coast city to me than Portland. Like it seemed. It reminded me more of not just because it's got all the tall buildings of New York, but it just seemed kind of, I don't know, it just it didn't seem like it had its own different vibe. Well, it doesn't feel like, in my experience anyway, San Francisco also doesn't have what you would believe. It doesn't have what you would think of as a prototypical Californian vibe. Uh, yeah, it doesn't.
doesn't have its own. Yeah, and and I was amazed at how uh, there are t- all these neighborhoods. You know, we didn't go into every single neighborhood. We didn't go to Haight Asbury, so we don't know if there's you know what whatever you know crazy retro '70s stores there are there. But it, it seemed like all all the neighborhoods were really really similar to each other, which surprised me. I was expecting more like kind of little pockets. I mean, Chinatown's one thing, and that was awesome, but. I don't know. It's just, it was different than I expected. No, nothing's ever what you expect. No, no, no. So, yeah. I, uh, so are you are you going to be? What, what is your deal on uh, on on uh, Tuesday? You're going to be at the inauguration. Let me tell you, it is crazy in Washington. It is crazy here. I mean, it is. There are barricades up on roads five miles away. You know, near near in in Virginia. It, I, I cannot explain the degree to which um, you can tell the pre- that this city is just going to be on lockdown and. I know I will be here. I will. Dick Giuliano and I are going to be right there um, in one of on one of those um, those risers mm-hmm. facing uh, President-elect Obama. So we're really lucky. We'll be right there. Uh, Bob Costantini is going to be in the crowd. Uh, hope you know, getting the the kind of mass of humanity, which I think is actually going to be the better story of the day. Um, and the truth is that we're all still figuring out exactly how we're going to get around. I I know I'm spending the night downtown, but I, I think. I'm probably spending the night at the Capitol, but we the, we haven't figured out yet with the Senate if some of us can do that or not. So it's just because we don't we're not sure how we're how tight the metro is going to be, how how crazy it's going to be getting in the next day. So are you bummed out that you weren't around for uh, for Bush's last press conference? I am bummed out by that, but you know he's got his his farewell address tomorrow. Oh, how great is that? And see, yeah. it, there's the other thing because you were you were gone. We didn't have a chance to talk about this. I think it was on Monday. Uh, what is today? Wednesday. Yes, yeah, so it would have been on. Yes. Because I had actually, because we'd heard these sort of mutterings that uh, the W had at, you know, he'd sort of been sort of musing out loud about, well, maybe I ought to give a farewell address, you know, and and everybody around him, I sort of thought was probably just going, no, it, bad idea, <laughs> N- not very popular, no, Ixnay, and sort of you're trying to keep him distracted with like a series of bright shiny objects until you know everything was over. <laughs> Like I got, you know, like I, like I sort of had this image of one, like one of his aides or whoever just giving him one of those like paddleball games and just to sort of like and look over there and you know where there'd be like the, like the photographer who takes the kids' pictures and he's got like a puppy waves in the air to kind of keep you, you know, from crying, you know. Right, right. I thought they might be just doing that until the clock was run out. Right. No. And I and I asked uh, Constantini, I asked Bob that morning. I'm like, hey, so come on, man, is Bush going to give a farewell speech? And he goes, Rick, it doesn't seem very likely. And then, man, it was like Boom. noon Pacific time. We're doing the news and. And uh, 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 our friend uh, Ron Pivo, who was doing the news that day, said, this just in, George W. Bush will give a farewell address. And you know what? It was like in my head a grand finale of fireworks had gone off. <laughs> it is so great. I am so excited about that. I know, in prime time. I mean, it's just wonderful. It's like I don't care whether people you know, support him or dislike him or love him or loathe him. It's just like in the grand story arc of the George W. Bush uh, presidency, it would have just felt incomplete if he hadn't come and done some finale uh, number, which he's going to do. I mean, it's just, I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited, too. You know, I, I, I think he's going he's gonna to have to be pretty solemn, I think, but I, I would love it if he just kind of breaks onto, out into a favorite song at some point. Yeah, I mean... What, so, so, is, <laughs> All right, America. Huh. Let's all. I mean, you'd really just. I mean, if you were to sort of bust out like the uh, the straw hat and a cane, yeah. and just kind of, you know, I think Cole Porter said it best. And then, right. I mean, I just. I, exactly. it, it's like I don't know. I, at this point, I don't even care what he says. I, I, I just don't. The content of it matters not a whit to me. I just love the idea. 
that you, you there's X, X percent of this country of people who just just want him to be gone. I mean, Republicans and Democrats, they just want him gone and over. And I love the idea that he is just playing the string out to the very end, just to the absolute end. I really cannot. This might be self-serving, but I cannot stress the degree to which uh, everywhere you look, it is just like a, a bonanza of kind of bizarre inauguration related yeah. news. You know, I walked into the Capitol today and lining the walkway up the hill to the Capitol, just, you know, more porta potties than I have ever seen in my life. Just 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 lining the walkway. There was a great story in the Washington Post um, uh, on Monday that, of course, me uh, being being a Virginian and trying to, you know, tell myself I'm a Southerner, love because, you know, they've closed all of the bridges leading from Virginia into Washington, all of them. You can't even walk across most of them. You can only walk across one, which is not really near anyone. So there's this great story about how a lot of Virginians see this as truly a vestige of the Civil War and, like, the North saying, you know, screw you, Virginia. We don't want you coming to our inauguration. Uh, and how there's like this kind of this weird kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, weird juju going on between all the road closures and everybody bringing up the Civil War. It's, it's all, it's nuts. Was, by the way, was your use of the word juju just now, was that like another, was that another bid to, to sound Southern? Is that, I, I, I maybe subconsciously. All right. Uh, hey, by the way, I think we do have somebody who has. We have a, a caller, uh, and then we'll, uh, and then we've got a, a skedaddle, as they yeah. say, for Steve Gasma. But somebody has a question for you. I think uh, this is Michael. Michael, hello. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Good morning, Rick and Lisa. Hello. Hey, uh, that Bart officer was arrested this morning in Nevada. Uh, is that true? I'm reading it off of the San Francisco um, San Francisco Chronicles homepage. I read it early this morning. It was posted, uh, I think I found it through FARC, but he was arrested in Lafayette on suspicion of murder. Okay, here we go. You know, I'm just seeing this story now. Good job, Michael. That's right. Well done, Lisa, sir. You're the best. How did you miss this? I don't know how I miss. You know, I, I'm. I, you know, Lisa's busy. You know, she is covering the transition of power for the most. You know, for the yeah, the exactly. most. Uh, I, Influential man in the free world, sir. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Next wow. Time, well, it this, was, this call escalated into hate pretty quickly. It was a business trip situation <laughs> for Jason. And, uh, uh, you're right. But, right. Yeah, good call. This uh, The story that I see right now is um, it, it looks like this guy has an attorney. And uh, hold on, let me read this really right. quick. Uh, in the meantime, thank, Michael, Michael, thank you for the call. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Right. Johans, I don't know how to pronounce this man's name. Messerle. I'm sure people from uh, that people have been following that where you are know a lot better. So yeah, that's right. Good, great catch, Michael. We've got yeah. I, I like how it was sort of a, a news tip passed to you in between like four different sort of quasi insults that were hurled your way. I know. Way. I know how bad it is. All right. Uh, on that note, are you going to be uh, are you going to be on tomorrow? I will. Excellent. We will talk to you then. Uh, good to have you back. We'll speak with you soon, Lisa. Okay. Great. There you go. Thank you. There you go, Lisa. What have I done? Oh, there we go. I've hung up on everybody. That's what I've done. Jesus. You know one of your, what a week. your chicks is? What? You know that every day you say, are you going to be on tomorrow? Oh, I know. No, it's not <laughs> It's not even really a tick, though. I mean, I know that I ask that. In other words, I don't do that unconsciously. You're aware. You know why? Because everybody has, they all have different weeks. Like, you know, Ed McCarthy's, like his... Because yeah, we'll have him on for like a week and then won't hear from him for a month. I guess it's actually Amanda Moyer who her Wednesday is her Friday. And so I always want to be able to go, like, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week or whatever. Mm. So I, 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 I guess they do kind of um, mix up, like, Bob and Lisa and Amanda. Yeah, no, I do it. I, and I've, I've often wondered if I should find a different way to do it. But I always just, you know. So I always just want to be polite so I can say, like, well, have a, you know, have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you when you return. <laughs> all right, there you go. That's uh, one to grow on. All right, Lisa Desjardins does not do her hair before she goes on. Let's welcome now to the... Uh, 
Rick Emerson radio program from New York City. I, there's crazy in the air today. Uh-huh. I think maybe there wasn't crazy in the air, and then Lisa sort of let it in. Like, it kind of came in like a doorway in the mist thing. Uh, hello, Steve Kastenbaum. How are you? That's how Lisa rolls. I'm doing well. It really is. See, this last segment with Lisa, as manic as they uh, as they usually uh, are, it just became even more so now. So she, I, because here's the thing, I can tell she's like in the midst of the maelstrom. Now she's, uh, you know, the the eye of the tornado because I didn't realize. I mean, I knew there was a lot of security, but she she was saying that there were barricades that are starting like five miles away from anywhere. I mean, like you can't even like you can't even see where anything is going to be happening, and they've already got like big barricades up, so you can't get past it. It's just it sounds like it's everything but a uh, everything but a demilitarized zone there right now. It's pretty crazy. My sister-in-law lives down there, and she was uh, not so pleased to find out that her avenue is one of the avenues where they're going to be parking all of the buses, bringing people in from around. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. That's going to be fun. Well, and I know that there's already any number of people who are all ticked off and cranked up about, uh, I don't know, these very, you know, it's like with everything like this. It's like, you know, Portland. I mean, in Portland we have these, uh, or had at one point anyway, we would have these huge anti-Iraq war marches, uh, you know, especially in the early days of the war, where you get like 40,000 people, which is, you know, not maybe not a huge number, sort of, uh, you know, subjectively, but I mean, or objectively, or whatever the word is I'm looking for. But I mean, yeah, a lot of people, though. I mean, especially for downtown Portland in the middle of the day. So you get like 40,000 people, but about 25,000 of them were there to actually protest the war. And then the other 15,000 were just sort of various causes that heard that there was going to be some sort of a gathering, and they just decided to show up. So you'd see, like... All the anti-war people, but then there'd be like the people, like the like the like the legalized marijuana people, you know. And then there would be you know people who were just just here because they you know, they were just marching because they just didn't like Tuesdays, and you know. <laughs> uh, and then there would be the obligatory guy in a unicycle and like a, like the cat in the hat, you know, like the Dr. Seuss hat, you know, or like a wizard hat, like juggling something and blowing on a blowing on a kazoo. And I get the feeling it's sort of like that writ large for the inauguration, where there's just a lot of people who've been waiting to bitch about something, and this is going to be their chance to do it. So it's um, it's going to be an interesting day, no doubt. It should be, yes. Um, all right. Well, we'll take a, these things sort of one at a time here. One of the latest with our good friend Bernie Madoff, and here's the reason I ask that. They've got him under, like, how's a raft that he's all low-jacked and whatnot. I only ask out of curiosity. you got a guy who allegedly... Uh, swindled folks out of like $53 billion. And rather now than spending his time in jail, he is in fact under house arrest in his uh, plush penthouse. I would imagine that's a guy that's got to be under heavy security because there's probably some disgruntled New Yorker that just feels like taking a pop at him. Funny you should mention that. Uh, there is some speculation down at the courthouse that when uh, Bernard Madoff arrived about an hour ago that he was wearing a bulletproof vest beneath his coat. Uh, the the man emerged from his cocoon today to be at a bail hearing. The federal prosecutor is appealing a lower court court's ruling, denying their request to uh, uh, revoke his bail and to put him in a jail as he awaits a trial. So they're in court today, and this time he had to appear, and he was uh, rushed away from the uh, house of the uh, apartment building where he lives in, in an SUV that had the back windows covered with paper so you couldn't see in. And he was uh, surrounded by reporters and cameramen as he uh, was briskly walking into the federal courthouse. And it looked like he had something on beneath his overcoat. And uh, there was a lot of speculation that he had a bulletproof vest on. Would you like to know what just happened while you were finishing that sentence just now? <laughs> Not that I wasn't listening. I can, I can multitask. It 
all depends. Who does it involve? <laughs> that involves you and me and you having to listen to another one of my crackpot ideas. Okay. Uh, Sarah, would you? Sarah, just now, <laughs> let me back up one step further. As we were wrapping up Lisa's call, I said, hey, are you going to be on tomorrow? And she said yes. And we wrapped up, and, and Sarah said, hey, do you know... Do you know that that's one of your ticks? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, that thing of always asking somebody they're going to be on tomorrow, that's a tick of yours. And I and I was, I, I guess I it probably sounded a little defensive. It's not a tick. I was trying to make the distinction that it's, it's a thing I do consciously because everybody, like Ed McCarthy's Monday is really Thursday or what, you know, vice versa or whatever. And, and so I always want to make sure that they're on, you know, so if, I don't, if I'm not going to talk to them, I can wish them a happy weekend, whatever. Okay. Okay. But just now, as you were wrapping up this business about Bernie Madoff in the back of the van that's covered with paper or whatever, I did something that uh, Sarah immediately recognized and then cringed at. Sarah, would you like to explain? Well, you do this thing. I wish that you could see where you just like go, you clap your hands together and then stick your hands up in the air like a cheerleader. And like I, a YMCA. And then, you, like, and then you pull your hands back to your mouth and kind of like you're praying. And I can always tell that that's when you, I said the greatest idea. And, and he's like sitting there just patiently waiting for someone to stop talking so that he can... Bless the world with his his fabulous idea. And it is a good, she's and I never really noticed it, but it's exactly right because as you were finishing, I did in fact have the best idea ever. <laughs> and I did this thing of of yeah, I put my hands together and then I do like the Y in YMCA or Jesus healing the multitudes, uh, and then and then I put them back together like as though I'm uh, as though I'm Madonna in the like a prayer video. And that always means that like I've had the best idea ever. So here's the best idea ever. Cast about. Okay. You were just talking about uh, the Madoff guy, again, allegedly embezzled or swindled or scammed or whatever, $50 billion, and they're going to have to you know, bulletproof vest, whatever, because you got to figure there's some disgruntled New York guy who just lost his job and, like, you know, the kids are eating cat food. And, you know, he sees this $50 billion swindle guy, uh, you know, living in his in his penthouse while awaiting trial. And that guy, you know, the, the, the disgruntled guy's been thinking, like, well, F him, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and, and they're trying to pr protect Madoff, obviously, from somebody who might want to go and just uh, shoot him in the back of the head. So I had this great idea. And because, of course, Rick Emerson uh, respects the law and encourages everyone to follow the law, uh, both in letter and spirit, uh, because uh, breaking the law is not only, you know, obviously it's uh, it's just it's unethical and it's immoral and you shouldn't do it. So I will. I will simply, um, I will position this as a great idea I have just had in my head for a movie. We'll call it that. Okay. Hey, Steve, I had the best idea for a movie. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think uh, in a movie there ought to be one of these Bernie Madoff guys who swindles a bunch of like uh, a bunch of like jackass stockbrokers and like bank owners for fifty billion and then just gives it uh, to the unemployed of New York? Yeah, that'd be great. There you go. Because imagine, let's just say again in a movie, what if this Bernie Madoff guy had had swindled uh, just just all of these nitwits out of fifty billion, but then had gone and he had just given it out to the people who had been downsized because of the mistakes made by like these same uh, white collar uh, jerks. That would be justice served, justice done. But, but I mean, the, the, and, yeah. and and you've lived in New, you know, you've lived in New York, so you obviously know that there was in some quarters anyway a lot of. There was, you know, the, 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 the sort of admiration for or respect for uh, guys like John Gotti. Um, so, what do you suppose? What do you suppose the the vibe of the average uh, New Yorker would be toward Bernie Madoff if he had like swindled a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of fat cats out of fifty billion and then just given it to the unemployed? Oh, they they'd love him. They they'd say, "Way to go, Bernie!" Yeah. yeah. And see, and yeah. I'm guessing right now, probably that guy would have any number of safe houses he could be hiding out at, you know, to avoid the man. 
Possibly. All right. But so, the, the problem here is, you know, the money just, it wasn't like he took the money for himself. The money disappeared because his uh, investment choices, you know, as did everyone else's, the investments, uh, you know, lost tons of money. Right. So, no. So, so you'd obviously, you'd have to structure a little bit differently for uh, this movie, uh, which is how I'm thinking of this. The, you know, you would have to, uh, you know, you'd have to adjust the, the, the facts a little bit to sort of make it work with the story. But I'm saying it seems like now is the time. This right now in 2009, what with the streamlining and the downsizing and all, um, it seems like this is the time for a uh, for America's own Robin Hood to sort of uh, to be ascendant. And who would you um, cast in the part of Bernard Madoff? I uh, I don't really know the answer to that. I have nothing. Um, who's an inherently likable actor? Who's the people's actor? Sarah, who is the people's actor? The people's actor? The people's actor. Man who, you know, that everybody likes to go, hey, he's a good guy. Because, you know, it, it seems like there's always, you know, there's always an actor that people, you know, that people look at and everybody can sort of agree. Uh, you know, the, the guy who comes to mind is George Clooney, but he's That's too exactly obvious. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. So, maybe George Clooney, although, you know, it's a little close to Ocean's Eleven, but there you go, Ocean's Fourteen. Bam. You know, he uh, so that's a Ocean's 14. Okay, how about this? I got it right now. Oh, boy, I wish I was in a pitch meeting. I could boil this down to a one-page treatment. Ocean's 14, Danny Ocean, blah, 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 all the guys, except the target would be, uh, you know, like bank owners and Wall Street lenders who have been getting rich at the expense of the little man. Uh, Danny Ocean and his crew, obviously, they take their taste, as they say, but then the bulk of the money is somehow redistributed to people who have been fired by those same companies. Bam! I like that. I there like you go. That. Done. And that would resonate right now. Okay. You, just, you just reminded me. Oh, I, I, uh, geez. I saw the movie Bolt. You know, the, the animated film about the superhero dog. Why did you see that? Are you no. just a fan of Miley Cyrus? No. no. Uh, Joy and I like to like, like some uh, animated films, you know. You know ah, like okay. We, certain animated films we like. You know, like uh, WALL-E was a good animated WALL-E's film. WALL-E's a fantastic film. So we went to go see this one hoping it would be great. And there's a really funny scene when he finally gets out to L.A. And, of course, uh, all of the animals are anthropomorphized, which means, right. yeah, they all have they human all qualities. Have human qualities. And so he meets these pigeons in L.A., and the pigeons, of course, try pitching him a script. <laughs> okay, that is kind of funny, actually. It is really funny. And, the one, you know, one partner pigeon says, wait, wait for it, wait for it. And the other guy goes, alien, bam. <laughs> Okay, that see that right there might get me to watch it. I kind of avoided it just because uh, the, I don't know, the trailer didn't really capture me, and there's something about the fact that Miley Cyrus sounds like uh, like a chain smoking waitress at a flapjack house. Yeah. yeah hey, My, Miley Cyrus, how do you feel about turning 14? Uh, it's great. I'm looking forward to the next season of Hannah Montana, and then we've got several things in production right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Well, in any event, hey Steve, are you on tomorrow? <laughs> Yes, I am. All right. Well, I look forward to speaking with you. I uh, and that's uh, that's true. That's not just a thing I'm saying. It's some sort of verbal, uh, you know, some sort of verbal habit. So. It's not a tick. No, it's not. Not <laughs> a tick. All right. Thank you, Steve. We will speak with you tomorrow, my friend. So long. There you go, Steve Kastner. Crazy in the air. Uh, well, let's get some of these calls. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Speak. Hey, my name is Chris. Uh, I just wanted to tell Sarah. Um, when you go to the DEQ, this is such old news by now, but <laughs> when you go to the DEQ, you can also register there. You don't have to go back oh, to the MV. Oh, hey, so there you go. Yeah. You don't have to, so you go to the DEQ, and the one I went to was sort of by the airport. Can get plates and stuff there, too? Yeah, they do everything for you. Sweet, and I get, and here's the, okay, see. Oh, that is awesome. That is yeah, so it awesome. is awesome. It, it's been the best thing they've ever thought of. Thank you for calling so about which this. Which one do you go to? Because I was going to go to the one in Columbia. Well, I go to Sherwood. No, I went to the one in Columbia. 
And that was the one where the and I'm but here's the thing if I can just uh, interrupt for one moment it seems to me that probably see I didn't know that and you didn't know that so probably most people don't which means Sarah it is probably much less crowded which is probably why when I went to the DEQ again now granted all I was getting was the emissions but again they, they I was in and done and out in less than ten minutes mm-hmm. so it seems like. Yeah, it's the same when you register, too, because, I mean, then they just say, okay, now you just pay with one check. Your inspection and your registration, they hand you your tag, and you're out of there. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, Thank you awesome. so much. I'll, I'll check and see if the one I'm going to go to has that, and if not, I'll find another one. Yeah, cool. so I really would strongly recommend that place anyway, especially if they do it all in one. And do it, yeah, you want to do it like now before everybody sort of figures it out, and then the place becomes all clogged. Excellent advice, sir. Yeah, and I figured I owed Sarah one because I'm the one that came up with the uh, bad comedian idea, so... Ah, well, there were lots of bad comedian ideas, sir. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, well, I was the one that came up with email you with the. Was idea. your idea date him? What's that? Nothing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, Gotta bye. Go. All right, bye now. All right. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get the calls around the corner. Let's see. We've got uh, somebody about uh, their plans for George W. Bush's last day. All right. Well, we'll get that here. Uh, more of your calls. More of, uh, well, things. We have a Geek Watch coming up later on. Snuff Watch. Our good friend Dave Schmidtke uh, at the news desk. And more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Oh, by the way, we've got another little piece of information about that DEQ. And every time I say DEQ, I picture, what's her name, Parker Posey? Is in waiting for Guffman? I'm working at the DQ. Anyway, they have a webcam set up so you can go uh, go and see how long the line is. How great is that? And that's at the Columbia Boulevard location. Uh, so you oh, can go awesome. online, you can look at a webcam, and it'll actually show you how long the line at the DEQ is so you can decide when to go. Okay. So, excellent. Fantastic. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And now and I have cash to pay for it. Seriously, what is up with that? With Richie having $800 in his wallet. And by the way, this guy says, hey, I effing told you about the DEQ. Way to give my credit to somebody else. I'm sorry, sir. I don't believe I saw your email. Just to touch back on Richie for one second here before we roll forward with the news. So he, there was the most surreal thing that happened about an hour ago where it all started with Sarah talking about having to go get her car emission tested because she had to get her registration done. And, I, and this is for her new car. And I said, have you gotten rid of the old car yet? You know, you got to sell that to some gullible teenager. And Sarah said, no, 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 it's just too much work, and it doesn't, you know, the car's a piece of crap, and it stinks, and I, my odd wallet bottle blew up in it, and it's filled with rats. All of these things are we, true, by the way. True. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you just got to find some teenager, and you know, who just finished some driver's ed. Gullible teenager, and I'm just like, what am I supposed to write that it stinks, and there are rodents living in the trunk, and Richie's like, I'll buy it. And you know, so and Richie's like, I'll give you three hundred dollars for it right now. And then before we can even say anything, he pulls out his wallet and brings out $300 in cash, all in 50s. But then I see that there's a stack more of them in there. And I say, how much, how much money do you have in your wallet right now? And he goes, well, I don't know, about 800 and some dollars, all in 50s. 
And then I sort of pressed it, but he was doing that Scotty J thing, where I kept pressing him on why he was carrying almost $1,000 in 50s. We still got to get that out of him. We've, we have to have him back on. Because all he would say is, like, I don't really trust the bank right now. But I don't I mean, which I, I guess I understand that. Like, there's some sort of, I guess, logic to that statement. But my question is, is that then, is that $800 all the money he sort of has in the world? You know that that's not the case. But see, I know it's not the case, because he's got, like, oil holdings in, in Montana. So... Where is the rest of Richie's money? Like, is that money in a bank? Because if so, that just doesn't make any sense if he doesn't trust the bank, that he would carry 800 but put like $8 billion or whatever in the bank. Or is the rest of Richie's money actually also in cash, like stuck between, you know, like like under a rock or something somewhere? So we got to figure that out. Here yeah. Just a, yeah All right. Let's uh, welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program our good friend. You may know him from such television stations as COIN and KPTV and... Yeah, that that. What were the hand signals? I was trying to count, you know, six and then twelve. Well, because you've been everywhere. You're a you're a Portland television icon, Dave Schminky. What makes an icon, by the way? I I heard that and I was curious. Icon means that um, the icon means that uh, when they start speaking about you. You've reached the tipping point where more of it is about things you did then. <laughs> things you do things now. you're doing now. Oh, good. So, so another word for sense. for loser then. <laughs> uh, no, see, no, you're one no, half no. of a very successful power couple. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. No. Now you said that. I didn't say that, Dick <laughs> Uh No, I think that's what it is. Because I mean, really, it's you know what it is. I heard a new term the other day, uh-huh. and I, you know, I we work next to some music radio stations, but I myself, I've worked in music radio for a long time, and um, so some of the terminology of music radio has changed over the years. And I was reading about, it was the band uh, The Cure, and they were talking about The Cure going on tour, because I guess they got some, I don't know, some new record nobody's buying. And they, but of course, but the thing is that the fact that nobody's buying the new record doesn't matter. Like, it, it matters to the record company, I suppose, but it doesn't matter to the band or the promoter, because people are still going, because my wife is still, you know, she'll still buy tickets to go see the band, because The Cure is now... A legacy act. That's what they're calling the cure. And I guess that did not just, but I mean, that's the term they use. And they were, that was the example they gave. And a legacy act is defined as, they said, you know, it's a band where the fans will still go because they want to hear the hits, but they're not interested at all in hearing the new single or the new record. Right. Because yeah. we've all gone to concerts where, like, the most dreaded sentence is, and now we'd like to play something off our new record, and it's like, Whoa. to the beer garden. <laughs> well, you know the other the other thing is do, maybe a legacy act is a band that when they first started actually released albums, records, right, vinyl, and now they just kind of tour on the same sort of greatest hits package. That's the uh, you know that's like the Bachman Turner Overdrives of the world, and yeah. the bands like that where it's like you know where they're not even really pretending to have new records. The one that kills me is every two or three years you see Rick Springfield pop up. Is that true? Yeah, maybe that's just at on, your house. Oh God. <laughs> I, it's just an anomaly. Does, he, a, tour, does he still tour? Feel black hole in my home. Uh, you know, he, same thing like what you just mentioned. You know, you whip out a new song and everybody's like, "Listen, we just want to hear that one piece of crap," and then get the hell out. <laughs> that's a that's really great, Rick Springfield. I appreciate that. Play yeah. the Jesse's Girl song so I can go home. And they do that. Here's the here's my whole thing. I have this, I have it down to a formula actually. That you know, if you got one hit song, you got a huge hit. Mm-hmm. You'll probably get some sporadic work for the bulk of your life. In other words, you know, if you're, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a one-hit wonder. I mean, a, you know, a real obvious big one-hit wonder. Well, like the the, the Tommy Two-Tone guy, the 867-309. Oh. oh, thanks so much yeah. for putting that in my mind. You know, and so that guy can probably, you know, he can get, you know, he'll get booked on TV shows every now and again. Or, you know, they'll do, like, there was that, that, that show where they did, it was like new bands covering old songs or whatever, and or old new bands covering old songs. Anyway, so he probably, you know, like, you know him from the hit song 867-309. 
And you'll, it, there was a time, and I think he's actually moved. His name is Tommy Heath, and I think Tommy Heath has actually now moved. I think he lives, I think he lives in California now. <laughs> but there was this time when you, when you lived in Portland, where if you went to any rock show, not even a rock show because it happened at Vanilla Ice, too, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. If you went to any live music performance, it was like a countdown until Tommy Heath would get up on stage with the band and they would play 8675309 with with him. I mean, I saw it happen at Vanilla Ice, which was just surreal because, of course, Vanilla Ice, he had a DJ and a drummer and a keyboard player. No band. So I, I, I think it was actually just Vanilla Ice and, and Tommy Heath standing on stage just chanting 8675309 for about three minutes, and then he left. I saw it happen at Roger Klein. I saw it happen at gosh, some other band where they did it. But, you know, but that guy can get work sporadically. Mm-hmm. If you have... Two songs, if you have two big hits, mm-hmm. you can tour forever. You know, you're not going to be like an A-list draw or whatever. You may be opening for some other legacy act, but you're going to be able to tour pretty much forever. If you have three big hits, even if you don't have any more, if you have three big hits, you are gold, and you can tour by yourself because what is the deal? You come out, <clears throat> you hit the stage, you play like two songs nobody cares about. Third song in is one of the big hits. Then you play like five songs nobody cares about. Then you play the second hit. Then you play, uh, you know, a cover. Mm-hmm. Then you end. You go off stage. Then you come back. You encore with the huge hit. One more cover. Done. And that's it. And that's the formula. And you can tour for the rest of your life on that. Uh, because people will show up and they'll stay all the way to the end to hear the absolute big hit. So, just in case, well, Dave Schmicky, you think about becoming thanks. the new Rick Springfield, you've got the... You've got the you know the mechanisms down. Well, thank you. I, I now have the shows fully produced. Thank you, Rick Emerson. You're, right. you're a heck of a guy. You, you want to do some news? That's what I do. Who wants to hear some news? Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. A motorist who struck an 18-year-old runner from behind during the annual Hood to Coast Relay Race was sentenced to five years in prison after pleading guilty to assault and driving under the influence of intoxicants. Was she really hit by a car during something called the Hood to Coast yes. run? Yes, Hood to Coast Relay Race. Okay. You've, you've, you know that when that goes through from, you know, from the mountain to the beach. You've heard of that, right, right? Yeah. Sure. Or people run from Mount Hood to the Oh, I do know that actually. But yeah. she wasn't she wasn't killed, was she? No, no, she was not. She uh she is pretty darned injured. She's got a bummer because she was really well, she let's see, she suffered uh, two broken legs, a broken rib, and then a stroke. Oh. So you Whoa. know can walk with help of crutches. Um but you know, definitely was a very much an athlete before that. But uh then Crystal Meyer, twenty years old, uh hit her. From behind, told police that she'd been on a meth binge and had gone days without sleep when she veered off U.S. Highway 30 south of Scapoose and hit the runner, uh, Chelsea Kasky. You know, your life has really taken a bad turn when, like, your justification is, in fact, like a whole nother series of crimes that you feel yes. like you want to confess to. No, 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 and I've been up all night mainlining heroin. Yeah, you know, you, you think, with, especially with meth, that there's some switch somewhere where somebody says, Hey, here I am, it's 3.30 in the morning, I'm wide awake. Yeah. Uh, well, I would think that meth would make you, that you'd be a more attentive driver, but maybe yeah, I'm wrong. So. You would think so. I think you'd have a certain amount of focus going on at that point. Well, yeah, apparently not in this case. All right, well, uh, so there you go. There so there you the, go. Uh, moral is, if, really, if, you need, if you really feel the need to just sit around smoking bags of meth or whatever it is you do with it, I think, I guess you smoke it, just, uh, you know, do that and maybe, uh, maybe hide the door key from yourself, like, yes. before you start the meth binge. And there was a... 
There was a great slash awful pun that I was going to make, but since she, you had me, I was I was all set to make another joke about this. Yeah. I mean, starting with the hood joke, I was all set to make another one and throw in that she'd had a stroke, and yeah. I think that's just a, that's one injury too many. I don't feel like I can make the joke in good chunk. That was kind of the buzzkill on that joke. I, there, I huh? feel like a bad person. Well, maybe you'll give. Maybe we can find a, a funny one out of this one because uh, Multnomah County Transportation. Speaking of bicycles, has been awarded a transportation and growth management grant to create a conceptual road design plan, which will identify bicycle and pedestrian improvements on the Shoals Ferry corridor from Highway 26 to where the city of Portland to the Washington County line. So they're going to try to put bike lanes along the highway. That's seems like a bad idea. That's a very poor idea. That seems. I mean, are they also going to put? I mean, you would, because it, well, you wouldn't have to put bike lines. You have to put fencing, right? You have to put like a, yeah. uh, a, a, a what do you call it, a, 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 a barrier. Sure, I would sure hope so. Well, you know, though, on the Glen Jackson Bridge, 205, mm-hmm. uh, I know people who, oh, let's go ride the bike. Let's go ride our bikes and let's go across the bridge. And like, okay, hey, let's uh, suck some fumes for about two and a half miles. Let's go on a meth binge before we do yeah, it. Yeah. Well, we great. used to work with a guy who actually, the engineer at our, when we were at the corner oh, tower. Couples? Yeah, he would actually, <clears throat> this is true. Pardon me. <clears throat> He was actually, uh, it sounds like a joke, but it's true, he was a big roller skater. He was, like, very into roller skating. Did he wear the, the real short cut-off jeans with the pockets still kind of hanging down? Yes. Yes, as a matter oh. of fact. <laughs> Groovy. Okay. Wait, did you work with him or you just <laughs> No, I saw that guy. Um, but he, this, I don't know if he did it all the time, but I know that there were times he had been known to actually, yes, roller skate from Vancouver Downtown to the coin tower. Oh, that's hardcore. I mean, which is just, in, well, it's insane. I mean, God bless him and all, but I mean, it's, 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 it's just nuts. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't even know how that would. It, how would you do that? Be logistically possible. Not a roller derby girl who lives above me, and she roller skates everywhere. Yeah, it just seems like on the highway. Like in though, Southeast Portland too, just like down the street. I'm like, what are you doing? Hopefully not in her apartment above you. I would think no, there would be too much like <clears throat> that there would just be schmutz all over the road, and you wouldn't really ever you know be able to do it. But my whole but the thing with the bike, uh, the bike on the highway is I didn't think it was legal. See, that was my thing. I thought even on the shoulder it was illegal. Yeah, it is. So sure. they would have to. So if they put in a bike lane, they'd have to put in one of those like concrete barriers though, because otherwise that's just. That's like death waiting to happen. Well, I guess it's actually going to run this along Shoals Ferry. Um, oh. So not as bad. But still, you know, that's a that's a pretty big, busy road. And they're, one of their concerns is the steep slopes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a concern uh-huh. of mine. Well, have, have at it. All Having right. to go up it. Okay, a surge in gang violence that began with the shooting of a man at a funeral service in December in Portland has alarmed, alarmed police and city leaders. Three young men have died so far, and police say the rivalry between Bloods and Crips is mounting. Uh, in response, pastors are urging gang members not to shoot in my damn church, please. Thank you. Now, uh, they're saying uh, paying police overtime to put more officers on the street, probation officers, are also increasing their contact with gang offenders on supervision. You know, that's really, you know, you got to talk about being up on, on meth all, all night and day. Shooting somebody in a church, it just seems to me to be remarkably bad form. Well, maybe they're, you know, if they're shooting somebody at a funeral, maybe they're just trying to... Maybe they're just trying, again, to be more efficient. Maybe yeah. they're just trying to remove a step. Eliminate the middleman. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the economy, Sarah, we have to, everything has to be streamlined at this point. It's That's right. Some, sometimes sometimes necessary to remove layers of the equation. Uh, well, you know, and Mayor Sam Adams says he has asked Police Commissioner Dan Saltzman to assess what's needed to help the city stay on top of the situation. I mean, it does seem like, and I know that we're like the billionth city on earth to have to deal with, you know, gang violence or whatever kind of violence, but... It does seem like we really have just, it, it does indicate where everything sort of is with the de-evolution de- of American society. If we're down to actually asking people, please just don't shoot anybody in the face at a funeral. Come on, be be a pal. I mean, just 
Just save the killing for later. Just do it somewhere else. That's that's all we're asking. So. I think that's right. And this kind of segues into penis watch. Hey, it's my enormous penis. 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 And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. With your penis watch, ladies and gentlemen, here is Dave Schmidtke. And you're wondering what in the world would gang shootings have to do with uh, penis watch, but in Port St. Lucie, Florida, a man told police he saw something he did not want to see recently. Where was that? Uh, Port, Port, Porn. <laughs> Porn St. Lucie. Port St. Uh, I'm sorry. Was, was that oh, like I buzzed uh, in before uh, uh, Alex uh, uh, Trebek uh, uh, finished the question? Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, he jumped again. Pre- right. Premature right. something. Um, yeah, he saw his neighbor's penis, and uh, <laughs> apparently it wasn't by accident. Uh, the 25-year-old told an officer he backed out of his driveway and discovered his 40-year-old mayor, male neighbor was following him. When he turned around to go back home, the neighbor turned around, too. The younger man said he got out of the car. The older guy threw up some gang signs, pulled out his penis, and swung it around. Wow. This is a news story, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that we are uh, offering in the public interest, convenience, and necessity. Uh, in this, the news hour on KCM, the uh, Portland A News Talk radio station. We're not so making this, this up. But, no. I mean, is that is that part of the gang sign? I mean, is it... I don't know. Is, the, is that... <laughs> Well, and, you know, I mean, this is, is really a gang limits. led by Peter North? Uh, well, it limits communication with female gang members. <laughs> I would imagine so. I mean, really, there's the... And I would say you would almost have to be male to engage, I, you know, the... No, yeah. no, no, she didn't so, No, she didn't show the secret sign. Yeah. No, I don't know. It was, uh, it's all very difficult. Yeah, wow. we're not... You know, and this is from uh, KFTS-TV in yeah. uh, Florida. So uh, the older guy says, no, 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 it didn't happen that way. Uh, noting an ongoing issue between the two, the officer suggested they might want to consider a threesome with a mediator. Yeah, there you go. That's a Dave Schmicky with your penis watch. What is Take a look at my enormous penis, and my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis, and everything is going my way. See, I don't know who this might be. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you? Hello, I had a uh, quick observation about the uh, the story about the the meth addict that hit the uh, the lady when she was running through the coast. Is this going to end in a pun? Well, her her name was uh, Crystal. Yeah. Uh, that. A little bit of irony there, considering right. she was using crystal meth. I missed that. Okay. I, wah, I'm <laughs> is that the extent of your observation, sir? That is, and I also wanted to know what voice am I? Uh, you would be voice number two. Perfect. Thank you. Right. Have Thank a good you. day. There you go. Voice number two, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, here's Dave Schmicky with the news. Okay. In Portland, more than 400 people, you know, it's more than just Portland, also in 42 states, have been sickened by King Nut Peanut Butter. That's five people in Oregon and 11 in Washington, actually. The peanut butter was sold wholesale. What, what kind of peanut butter? <laughs> King Nut. King, I, I King Nut is in the band with Peter, is in the gang with Peter North. I got a theme going here. King Nut? King Nut. It, well, here's what, I, here's what blows me away. The peanut butter is sold wholesale, not through stores. So where do you buy King Nut peanut butter? I think we're all <laughs> focusing on different aspects of this. Uh, what is the what are they what is the nature of the sickening? Well, uh, the story this isn't like that salmonella thing we had the other day, is it? I think it is actually. Health officials are urging nursing homes, hospitals, schools, and restaurants to so- toss out any containers they may have. I'm going to assume those containers of this particular King Nut 
peanut butter. You know, sometimes things just have uh, names, and you wonder if either A, they just didn't bother to think it through, B, they never focus grouped it, or C, if it's one of those products that just is perhaps from a different era, from an earlier, simpler time, and the name, uh, the name sort of persists. I just, do you drive around with a 55-gallon drum in the back of your truck, and they say, okay, it's time to go get the peanut butter today. I just, I, that's my thing about the wholesaling of peanut butter, which must be for, that must be like maybe a restaurant thing. Although, no, that, that can't be the case either because I've never. Like, Why wouldn't buy such wholesale peanut butter? Well, and I've never worked in a restaurant where there was like a huge tankard of peanut butter in the I back. Have. I mean, it's just a jar, really? Yeah, like peanut butter or like, you know, a big tub of, like a drum? of tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. A jar of tartar, like a, like a, a huge mm-hmm. bucket of tartar sauce. All right, okay, fair enough. You know, the one that's fun, though, is like I think Costco or Winco, they do this where you, they have the, the little the red machine. It's got the hopper with the peanuts in it. Right. And then you turn the button, and it, it actually grinds the peanut butter and kind of poops it into the little <laughs> container. You know, like the kind after you've been drinking way too much one night? I hadn't really ever, uh, I hadn't really thought about it in like a, like an excretory uh, uh, fashion, but thanks for putting that image in my head. I'll think about the next time I crack open a jar of Adam's. King nut. Well, there you go. <laughs> I like that we could get nut and pooping right there in the same, uh, right there in the same the lunch hour. Hey, well, you're eating string cheese too, Sarah. Well done, Dave Schmidtke. By the way, we've got uh, a couple of emails that have come in about you already, both of them complimentary. Oh, good. Uh, let's see. No, believe you me, you would have to do something pretty dire to <laughs> oh, really? not be on the upswing I today. Can, I can do that. This one actually says, uh, says Dave Schmidtke is a breath of fresh air. After yesterday, Dave is a relief. Did you hear yesterday, Dave? What happened yesterday? Oh, well. Uh, I'll tell you the So uh, the other person yesterday probably wouldn't have done a penis watch. I am so glad today is looking up for everybody. The person refused to. Is that true? I didn't realize that. No, she was wow. just like, she didn't like the content to which she was given to read. How about this one? This one says, uh, this is for Dave Schmicky. Rick, please tell Dave we all miss him on an unnamed home improvement show. Uh-huh. Um and then they have some uh, some unkind words about about the person who is currently in that uh, in that gig that I, I will not uh, not really I wish to be a Christian about everything. Um, I have thought about calling up that show to sing "I Want My David Schmidtke" to the tune of "I Want My MTV." Maybe I was drunk, maybe not. In any case, he is missed on Saturday morning. So there you go, well, sir. So I want my Dave Schmidtke. That works. See, I think there's a little something there. They. Um, they just make a remark about your replacement being a being a tool. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break here. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to go down to Eugene for this one. Police arrested two teenage cousins in connection with a series of school bomb threats. The threats forced the closure of three private religious schools in the Eugene area. Uh, speaking of being Christian, uh, police say one of the suspects is a 16-year-old Marist Catholic high school student who lives in Eugene, and the other a 13-year-old Springfield boy who goes to O'Hara Catholic School. They got a bit of an Irish accent for some odd reason on that one. I hear O'Hara. And these are threats called in by students or called in by somebody else? Yeah, by students. Well, see, because that's the, I'm not suggesting that you should do this. But, of course, that in the post-Columbine era, everybody knows that if you have a test you didn't study for, that's the way that, you know, like you just call him. And, no, I, no, he just said something about um, something about a series of guns and uh, the angel of death. Yeah. I, it was all very vague, uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Smith. I don't know. You know, the next day, you know, gone. School out yeah. five days. This email says, uh, I love Dave Schmidtke. Keep him forever and ever and ever. <laughs> and could you throw the paying part in there, too? That'd be good. But thank you. I'm sorry. What? Huh? Money? What? 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 Yeah. Media. Uh, yeah. Work for free. No, I love it. I like being with you guys. You know, I do. Are you sure that uh, Crystal was the only one on a meth bin? <laughs> hey, one look at my 
my stomach, and you know I'm not doing math. Hey, by the way, here's the joke I was going to make. You stomach? The, the pun no. that I was going to make, and then I decided not to do it at the, at the time because he threw in that she had uh, broken legs, a broken something or other, and then a stroke. Uh-huh. And so I decided that using this pun at the moment would have been um, That would have been improper. But, but now it's better? Yes. It's not too soon now. It would have been too soon then. So you noted that she had been hit by a car as part of the, what, the Hood to Coast thing? Yeah. yeah. And see that I was, but see, for, but see, you know what? By the grace of God, and you know, she was not killed, and uh, sounds like she is, uh, she is being rehabilitated right now, and will soon be, you know, she'll soon be back. Oh, you're trying to justify this, aren't you? I am preemptively justifying. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm very glad that that the, that the injury wasn't fatal, because then it would have been the, then it would have been the hood to ghost. Foot race. Boy. <laughs> it would have been the hood to ghost. Foot race. Hello? Some sound effect that should go with that. All right. Yeah. That's why I'll never get hired at the Portland Monthly. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Stay there. We return in a moment. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Did Richie already print up a bill of sale? He really did. For your car. Yep. Wait, hold on a second. Let's... Richie Briscoe, can you come to the studio for a moment? Joined today by uh, Portland Media icon Dave Schmidtke. Hello, sir. Hello. How Hello. are you today? Hey, guys. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. So, Richie, uh, so I don't know if you heard this earlier. So, yeah, so Richie had like a thousand bucks in his wallet this morning, which, and, and my, here, Richie, here's my thing. Do you carry that much with you, like, at, uh, like the majority the of the time? No, no. I mean, so, I but you were saying you don't trust the bank, but I, here, I, which I get, but I don't understand this. So, my question, though, is, is that, like, all the money you sort of have, or is that just part of the money you have, and then where is the rest? Like, is the rest in a bank, or is the rest stashed somewhere as cash? Um, what is the deal? Uh, you know my Sarah Palin blow-up doll? Yes. That's my safe. <laughs> Nobody's going to reach into my doll and find a way. Oh, my cash. God. Nobody's going to reach into my doll. What? what Where what is area? that? Uh, is that in... Uh, num- uh, how do I put this? Is that uh, in... Uh, There's three areas to choose from. You pick one. <laughs> and so is it just in one area? It's like some... It's behind the panties. It's like... All those weird, creepy panties that you... This is Did like... you give those to me? Yeah. This is like some polyurethane, let's make a deal. Sort of a, no, 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 I'll take door number two, uh, Monty. That'd be great. So the money, are you screwing with this? Are you making this up? No, I got a wad rolled up with a... I've got a wad. You've got a wad hidden in... Sarah Palin. Well, that's the only place to hide a wad, Richie. my Sarah Palin doll. 
You got, I got pictures. Yeah, you saw <laughs> Please don't ever bring them in. Um, <laughs> so, the, by the way, you water. okay? All right. And well, nobody knows where you live, I guess. So the money, your this is all your savings. Uh, Did you no. take everything the bulk out of the of bank? It? I mean, I'm not trying to ask like to get you to tell us where it all is, but I'm just trying to figure out. Like, let's say you have, you know, you have X dollars. Well, you're carrying like 800 in your wallet today. Uh-huh. Of the remaining money, how much is hidden in inside the area of your Sarah Palin blow-up doll? Uh, like half, fifty percent? No. How much money do you 10%, have? Ten percent. Ten percent. Okay, but so where is the? But see what I said. Like, where is your money? Where do you keep? Well, much I got of your like money? four dollars in intercom stock left. <laughs> but I mean, do you keep money in a bank at all? Not really. Okay, so is it? But it's invested, or it's yeah. In, okay, all right. That's I what four, I'm trying I have to, like two or three four hundred one ks that I rolled over from. All right. See, I was trying to. I was trying to figure out exactly yeah, where we were, like where it was sort of being stashed. And I'm putting into a house that I'm selling right now. All right. Okay. But you really are. Uh, you really. You really are quite interesting, and I mean that in the best possible way. There really is just something, something decidedly uh, unknowable about you. So, and we haven't even. I mean, and, you know, and we will return to this business of of you and uh, the assessment of your personality in terms of. <laughs> You know, Rochelle versus Richie. I don't Richie. think that he has split personality. I'm not saying. Well, I don't I know think that he has different interests that he puts into different facets of his life. I'm not saying you have a split personality as such. In other words, I'm not saying you wake up covered in blood, like holding a screwdriver, and you're <laughs> like, I don't know, the bad Richie might have done it. You know, Richie, Richie White and Black might have, or what is it? What is it in Six Feet Under? Rachel Light and Dark? Is that what she called herself? Yeah. I can't remember. Um, Rochelle we, Light and Dark. Yeah, the uh, whatever it is she called herself, the split personality girl. But um. What was my point? Uh, but, but I'm just saying, like you have, Dave, if you didn't know, so Richie is a cross-dresser. Oh. Uh, and so his... Hello. Well, hi. All right. His, yeah, his lady Fabulous. name is Rochelle. Rochelle oh. Crystal. And Rochelle so, Crystal. Well, that's good to know. But here's the thing is, like, as 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 a lady, uh, when, when Richie is in Rochelle mode, very uh, very well put together, very... Uh-huh. What did, what's her name say about uh, that woman? Has said about Dante very well groomed. Um, spends like uh, will spend an hour adjusting his lip liner, so it's just so and whatever. <laughs> but then as a guy, no, he's always pretty clean. I mean, he's kind of gross when it comes I don't, to something. See, but that's the thing. But you know, but he's like covered in pus sometimes, and he's sweaty and like eats yeah, five like day old at his eggs. Ears with syringes. Yeah, and like sits back there yeah. and is like and has like. I don't want to see your ear. And he'll do a lot of like I'm scratching myself because my inside of my thighs all rashed up. You know, it's just it's just just horrifying and disgusting. <laughs> you sure you're not just messing with you? No, so I think no. As a guy, Richie, no, I had a rash. No, oh, and he had like yeah. a huge thing in his face where he. Yeah, we filmed that. He I had a huge. Okay. It was thing, a, and he drained in, the blood out of it. Yeah, it was a whole thing that had to be lanced, and it was. But so as a guy, Richie's just kind of vile. But then as a woman, very, very, very pristine and and proper, and uh, you know, and, and presentable. So I was just thinking that maybe like your head had segmented out into discrete segments. You know, and it, like your head was partitioned like a hard drive, you know, and like all the sort of aesthetic uh, sense had gone to one side and all of the like, like, all the, I'm just going to eat five pounds of beef jerky and sit around in my underwear tonight. Like that had gone to the guy side of it. The D side. Yeah. The D drive and yeah. the C drive. All right. Oh, by the way, just as we, as we, and we'll move forward with the news here, but so Rich, Richie was in during the break talking to Sarah about her car. And Sarah said something about, you know, oh, my car hasn't been, you know, I haven't t- taken very good care of it, which I, Sarah meant, you know, in the sense that, like, it has rats in the trunk. Or whatever. <laughs> and, and Richie just sort of dismissively waved his hand and goes, oh, it's just girls, you know, they don't know even, they don't know what a spark plug or an oil change is. <laughs> like, he just said, it like, just needs to have some man love. That's exactly <laughs> what he goes, the car needs man love. And then, like, with a wave of his hand had made just the broadest of generalizations. <laughs> so, and that, but that was followed up by the, by the, the, the revelation that you had actually changed your own oil at mm-hmm. one point. 
got a wrench and everything? I got a wrench and, yeah, oh, went under the car. Got Even with your tiny female brain, you Sarah? believe it? I was actually able to spark do it. Yeah, and undid it and yeah, check out the spark plugs and you drained that. the pan. Yeah. That's well, somebody hot. showed me how to do it, but I did it. All that's hot. Myself. That's hot? All right. That's hot. Well, uh, can I tell you this? I know men think that's hot. A, I have never changed my own oil. B, I couldn't do it if you put a gun to my head. <laughs> I could not, which I don't say with shame or pride. It's just a fact. I could not, I couldn't change the oil in my car if my life but depended Sarah on it. Could. Well, but Sarah's kind of, you know, she is uh, masculine in some ways, and she's an independent lady. Sarah is a... Uh, Sarah's. And a, my dad wouldn't let me drive until I changed a tire for him three times. Yeah, see, same here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Same, no, and I, Has you your know, wife done that? What? Changed your oil? Oh, she can do it. <laughs> she can do it. I can't. Oh, man. I got nothing. pants around here? Well, <laughs> I don't even really have any pants. I'm only given... I'm only... I'm just given... Um, I'm just given, like, those short pants you wear when you're in the British school system. That's all I have. I'm not given pants. <laughs> I'm given sort of satiny dolphin shorts at home. I, uh... The pants are kept locked. Well, then you're lucky to have your wife. No, I can't. My, the, 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 I was. I forget. I was talking to. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. That uh, it's uh, that auto stuff and like handyman stuff, like electricity and like you know when you're like going to be changing all <laughs> electricity it, bad. Like changing out the whatever. You know, like my dad would do all of that. My dad was very. My dad was. My dad and I had uh, what might be described as a Hank Hill, Bobby Hill relationship. Oh, and my dad, I mean, it really is true, and I've never really thought of it in those terms. But now that, I, but that is exactly what it is. My dad was Hank Hill, uh, and and I was and I was Bobby, where my dad was trying to like. And what we're going to do now is we're going to fire up the, you know, and he was like telling me how to like grill propane, something. And meanwhile, propane and propane accessories. Yeah, it, it, but I was just like in my room with an umbrella practicing a soft shoe routine for some imaginary vaudevillian audience. Uh, you know, so my there's all of this stuff like cars. The big three for my dad that he want things he wanted me to learn. The big three were cars, mm-hmm. sports, and hunting. Did you learn any of those? No, and I, no, and not for lack of trying. I mean, they just, uh, you know, and I think my dad probably, I, my dad probably, if you were to find him and ask him, my dad probably still thinks that I am gay and just in, that I'm latent. I mean, really, I mean, and I'm not like to be flitty. I think he probably, I think my dad for a lot of the years that he was around. Uh, you know, uh, I think for the bulk of the years we spent together, my dad probably lived in a very real fear, and the kind of real fear that only <laughs> that only rednecks get, a very real terror that I was any day going to go. Well, Dad, there's something you need to know. <laughs> this is Bryce. You know, I mean, that's he, Bryce. You sure it wasn't Bruce? No, because I, you know, because there was a lot of those. You know, there was a lot of things that were like, "Don't be a pansy. Learn how to," you know. And then it was like, "Field dress a deer," and it was just not going to happen. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, it's not like I'm some touchy, feely, sensitive guy or whatever. It's just not. I am a man of the great indoors. I mean, that's my thing. And so, you know, whatever. So, so he was at your wedding. Very what? Happy. He was at your wedding. Oh no, no. Oh. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, no. My father and I parted ways uh, some time ago. So the, uh, you know, here's the thing, and I don't dwell. But one of the, here's one of the advantages of being an adult. I don't have to eat asparagus, and you don't have to see people you don't want to spend time with. So, uh, so there, there you go. So he went his way, I went my way, and I think we're both, I think we're both happy about that. And he's probably right now at a bar somewhere telling him, my pansy son, who's gay. The boy ain't right. <sighs> Can't right. change oil. All right. Well, five Sarah to do that for me. Maybe it's all yeah, about hormones. I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be your Peggy, Rick? <laughs> well, that position's already taken. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the news, Dave Schmicky. Well, speaking of hormones, scientists have identified the Marilyn Monroe hormone that is linked to an hourglass body shape in women and also an increased desire to trade up to new men. <laughs> women who have high levels of, I'm going to try this now, estradiol, estradiol, 
also show elevated confidence and a greater inclination to have sex outside of their current relationship, according to a U.S.-based research. So, estradiol, first of all, estrad oil sounds like, a, sounds like a, one of those products they would sell in the two-minute commercial during Anderson Cooper. So, estrad oil may cause rectal cramping. <laughs> you know, whatever, but it would be yeah. like, you know, if you're a woman who's just lost her get-up-and-go, try estrad oil, and then it would be Jamie Lee Curtis talking about it, uh, and then they would list all the side effects. But it's, so is that like, well, it must be like estrogen, because it has the same prefix. Well, it, the ovarian steroid hormone is also ovarian ste- My ovaries aren't big enough. <laughs> yeah, I need big Can ovaries. you uh, fill my ovaries? Can you get my ovaries roided well, up? <laughs> apparently, uh, I think, I swear that people probably think I'm making this up, but apparently it's also associated with having a symmetrical face, large breasts, and a low waist-to-hip ratio. So this okay. So it is the it is the the hourglass. Uh, what are those? Mm-hmm. This is so awkward. What are those? Can you list just uh, one at a time all those traits again? Okay. Um, symmetrical face, mm-hmm. large breasts, and low waist to hip ratio. All right. I realize now there's nothing I can do with this information without making everything very awkward. <laughs> what would be awkward? Well, and, and apparently too, it affects you know women wanting to always get a guy higher in status. You know, each relationship is of a, with a guy higher in status. You know, that's why they call it the Marilyn Monroe thing. So that's why you go from Bobby Kennedy to Jack Kennedy. Yeah. All right, to Sam Giancana, dead. It's, a, there you go. it's a hormone. All right, well. Hey, I don't know. I don't make it up. I'm just reading it. And, you know, also. I don't know anybody who fits that description. Me either. No. Hmm. I think that maybe you both do. Dun, dun, dun! All right, I'll move on. Sarah, who are you thinking of? I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm thinking of Joan from... Uh, Me too. That's exactly who I was yeah. thinking of. Here's Dave Schmicky, ladies and gentlemen. In Cincinnati, teens are taking nude photos of, them, of themselves and others and sending them on their cell phones or posting them online. The new trend, by the way, is called... Sexting. It's not called sexting. That's a made-up term. Whoever, you know who calls it sexting? The guy who wrote this article. It's Cindy Kranz. Cindy Kranz made a bet with all the other people in the newsroom that she could get us all to start saying sexting, oh. uh, just like metrosexual. That was one of those, like, no, 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 I bet I can inject this term into the lexicon. Watch me. Well, what do you think it should be called? I, I think it's... Well, There's kind of a flow to it. I guess it's, I guess, sexting, but I mean, but doesn't that seem like a thing that only... Doesn't it seem like there are terms to describe teenage behavior that are only used by adults? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's sort of terms to describe, uh, you know, a section of humanity or a demographic, and but, like the people who are doing it don't ever, ever, ever call it that. It's only people who are looking at it from the outside. But there's no like, teenager who says sexting. No, and, and it's like naming storm events. Yes. You notice the TV stations? Yes, it is. Arctic Blast. And, like, nobody really says, hey, were you in uh, Arctic Blast 08? Yeah, me too. No. I right, was wicked, man. All right. Yeah, wicked awesome. By the way, I was thinking of Sarah. There you go. Oh, on the sexting thing? No, yes, on the sexting thing. No, on the, with, you were talking about the oh. Marilyn, you were talking oh. about the Marilyn Monroe Yeah, symmetrical face, large boob thing. I, I didn't say the thing about how women don't tend to really. I wasn't going to put it that bluntly. Yeah. I was going to say it did seem as though it did, uh, it did that, that, that gene did, uh, that gene did perhaps give one a proclivity toward. Perhaps but slightly more independent uh, and, uh, you know, independent uh, uh, and upwardly mobile behaviors. That was the only observation I was going to make. The rest is all right. I could see that. I thought that we were going to make everything less awkward. It didn't really work. <laughs> uh, let's move on, shall all right. we? All right. Well, you know, 
Sex thing, just one last thing on that, apparently. According to a national study, most teens who send sexually suggestive content send uh, to boyfriends or girlfriends, while others say they send such material to those they want to date or hook up with or to someone they only know online. Is that a thing that really happens, do you suppose? Do you suppose, that, like, if you're a teenager, like, if you're going to high school, that... Rather than giving you like a uh, whatever, like a uh, you know, do do you like do you want to go to the, the you know the spring formal circle one yes or no? That now it's just like here's a picture of my boobs, you know. Or, or, <laughs> I mean, because the, the story sort of implies. Not, I mean, I'm not saying that children should engage in any sort of uh, suggestive behavior, but it sort of implies that we've gone from that whatever. What was that thing that kids used to use? It was like a paper flower, and like you did a thing and then origami. No, 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 but no, then you'd open one of them and it had an answer. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. What the hell was that thing called? You, But everybody knows and what you I'm... you would do like the... Exactly. It was I like... think I can still make those. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It looked... You know what it looked what like? What was it called, though? It looked like a dreidel. It looked like an upside-down dreidel made out of paper. That's exactly what it looked like. Except, uh, you know, instead of having the whatever it was, uh, you, you would, you know, you'd do like a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then you'd open one of the corners and it had like five... It was like a magic eight ball shaped like exactly. an upside down paper dreidel. You know the other thing from back in those days that I can't remember what it was called? What were those balls, you know, on the string that you would clack together? Glass balls. And oh, like the office, the executive office toy? You mean the one that's like the cradle and it's five no, no, balls? No, no, it, it, it was just two large glass balls. Here we are in that theme again. With with the string connecting them, and you would hold them in your hands, and you clack, 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 clack. I don't think I remember those. Oh, really? No. Huh? It was it, it was and this was a toy. Yeah, and it was dangerous as all hell. Oh, of course. Well, as all the best toys were. Yeah, I mean, you get the thing going enough, they're glass, so they would shatter. They gave you. Let me understand this. They gave you two big, heavy glass things that you were supposed to ram, ram together, together over and over again, yeah. leading inevitably to the splintering of the glass right near your face. Or we, what usually would happen is one of them would find your testicles as it's moving about eighty miles an hour, and that, you know, yeah. Oh, it's like people who those really were with, the best times, weren't you know? they? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, all right. Mm, well, you know, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Well, let's put it right next to lawn darts okay. oh, and the tether ball. Darwinian toys. It really is amazing what they used to sell to children. And I don't know if they still do this while we're on the subject of dangerous toys. On KCMD Portland, um, it, it really is staggering the things that you used to be able to buy as long as you had $5. And I don't mean like weed from a guy behind the bowling alley. I mean, <laughs> and maybe you still can, but I remember going to like the, 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 the county fair or whatever when I was a kid because like, you know, that's what you did. Um, and you go to the county fair, and at the fair, there would always be a guy with a table full of martial arts weapons that he would just sell to anybody as long as they, like, if you were old enough to have the motor skills to reach into your wallet for the $10 bill, mm -hmm. he would give you a butterfly knife, three throwing stars, and a set of nunchucks. And he'd be like, there you go, have fun, you know, and then you'd be off to buy some kettle corn or something. Yeah. And so the state fair, like, the, the fair would come to town, whatever, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then on Monday, you would go back to school, and every kid at school, I mean, this really is like a page out of yesteryear, but every kid at school, at you know, at recess, what would you be doing? I'm practicing opening and closing my butterfly knife with one hand, <laughs> which I can still do to this day. And Sarah just made one of those paper things. Wow. You did it. Now, what is the thing called? Do you know? No, I can't remember. Well, let's I remember you do like the one, two, three, four, five, and then you'd open it, and then, and then there'd be a question, then you'd do it again, and totally. then flip it and ask, like, what boy likes me? One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, maybe the... Uh, I'm amazed you could do that. I, uh, I know. I didn't even... I haven't made one of these since, like, fifth grade. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. How can I help you today? Hi, Rick. Well, I've been on long enough. I got a couple things. Yes. Um, well, first of all, my office supply of choice not willing to share is the post-its as well excellent now the, the post-it and it's you're talking about the full-size yellow post-it and not knockoffs 
like right. stick-ups or whatever, the, the, the actual Post-it notes from the 3M company. Right. I was by myself, and I screamed out, Post-it! Hey, we were talking about most valuable office supplies that you don't ever share. And I'm saying, for me, it's the Post-its and the highlighter. There you go. And here's it, by the way, here's an office supply uh, that you have, and you don't know how it got in your desk. It's just there, and you never use it. It's the staple remover. You don't ever use that thing. It sits there, and you, and here's the only thing you probably you ever use the staple remover for. Every now and again, you'll just pick it up, and you'll just clamp one of your fingers with it, just to see what it feels like. You do that like once a year. I wonder what a staple remover would feel like if I just sort of pinched the end of my thumb. Oh, it hurts, and it's pointy. Okay, and then you put it back in the drawer. And in the drawer, by the way, is also always like a dirty nickel and two paper clips that just sit there endlessly from you know, occupant to occupant. Uh, what else do you have, sir? Well, I called to talk about Richie, Richie but... Yes. Quickly, let me say that that glass toy with the string in between them. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, recalled knockers. Really, really. Yes. So it was I, had, a, I had some. Let me understand this. It was a pair of balls called knockers. <laughs> That's covering yeah, like, all the bases at once. Yeah. They, they weren't. I don't think they were glass. They're more like uh, a hard plastic. Yeah. So, but it was, but it was, but they were solid, right? Like you'd make marbles out of. Ah. Uh, well, now wait. I thought marbles were made out of well, glass. Okay, Dave Schmidtke's expression indicates that he doesn't think you know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> that's, no, that's that's constipation. I'm j- or, or, <laughs> anyway, or, or, or that, that, sure. All right. <laughs> no, All right. hey, thanks for the name on that, though. I appreciate that. I was driving me nuts the other day. All right, thank you, my friend. Hey, but... And? I had an assessment about Richie and his money stashing. Yes, go ahead. Well, what I heard from his inflections was that... Uh, I'm sure he said, I don't like the bank, not that he doesn't trust the bank. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's got a problem with his with his bank account. He's wanting to put any money in there because it's like ass, uh, assessing fees on a daily basis. Oh, like there, he might be in the middle of some sort of dispute or there might be some sort of awkwardness or unpleasantness yeah, happening at the bank. he doesn't want to get garnished or something. Oh, that's, that's, that's what I kind of felt. Oh. The court would want to do a, a garnishment or something like that. I think that. he's in trouble. All right. like uh, Okay, there you go. Thank you, sir. All right, that makes sense. I actually knew a guy who did that. I knew a guy, of course, in radio where this is always the case, a guy whose wages were being garnished. And uh, so he would get, and he would literally, he would get his check, and he would cash it at one of those, like, you know, we'll give you cash, no questions asked places for, like, 14% or whatever. He would literally cash his check, and then the money, the cash, would go into his sock. And he would just, and he would have it, because his whole thing, I'm like, put it in your shoe. And he's like, well, yeah, but he's like, what if my shoe comes off and I lose it? So he would put the money in his sock. And then, you know, and then, you know, he'd walk around with it between his foot and his sock inside the shoe. And if he needed something, he would have to take off his shoe, take off his sock, which I guess was still preferable to losing it. Because he he knew if he put it in the bank, like, the man was going to come for it. Uh, because he, I don't know, because he had, like, uh, I don't know, because he had, like, been scattering children everywhere or something. Something awkward. <laughs> right, are we, uh, Sarah, what are we, are we taking a break take a break on that note. All right, there you go. That's fantastic. Dave Schmicky, how do you feel about today's show on the classic 1 to 10 scale? Oh, I'm, I'm, 10 being the best? Yes. I'd say I'd say 9.5. we got to save a little. See, something. is it so hard? Is it so? Even if you're lying, I don't care. Is it so difficult just to say 9 or above? Let's Jeez. just say yesterday's person we asked, she yeah. said 6. I mean, who says that? <laughs> who says that? It's like being an unfunny Lilith Crane. I'm sorry. Was that out loud? Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. We continue next. Don't go anywhere.
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 So, I think knockers... You're thinking of something else, Dave. Everybody has said that those glass balls that you twirled around were called clackers. Clackers, that sounds like knockers. it. Knockers. Uh, and this guy says, I think they were eventually banned because they had a tendency to shatter and blind you. Yes. Oh, clackers. I had those. Oh, now you, now you wake up. I didn't get until I said blind somebody. Like, oh, clackers. Oh, yeah. All right, I got it. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. Well, I, I just, just like nunchucks, whenever you see somebody playing with nunchucks, you just want to count the seconds until one of those things goes right in the frankenbean. Well, and it, it really, it really is it's going. just amazing, too, that like the things that you you used to be able to do, the teachers would just... Not even turn a blind eye to, but like they just didn't care. So like, you know, like uh, my friend, well, I should say, my friend Dave, he would go to the state fair, and again, he would just buy. And the '80s were a real sort of that was a golden time for for ninja stuff. I mean, like we're in now. I mean, we're having a sort of ninja renaissance now, but ninja stuff was huge in the '80s. I was talking to David Walker from uh, he was formerly Willamette Week, and uh, he's you know film critic or whatever. And I was talking to him about ninja stuff. And he's doing this whole piece about American ninja films versus Asian ninja films and whatever. And in the 80s, there was this company called the, um, it was the Golan and Globus Film Company. And they put all these like great, terrible ninja movies, all of them starring Sho Kosugi. And they were huge. And so we would all watch ninja movies. And then like the fair would come to town. And like we were hicks, so we'd go. And there was the guy with the big table of stuff, you know, of like, you know, come on, buy a throwing star. Three for five. You know, how old are you? Seven, have a throwing star, kid. <laughs> and then you would go to school on Monday. And there'd be the kid with his butterfly knife and his throwing stars, more often than not also with, like, a sharpening stone. And so, like, one of the teachers would walk by on their way to, like, the, you know, whatever, to, like, the, the cafeteria. And there's, like, you know, Jimmy up front. What are you doing? Sharpening throwing stars. Well, good. You know, at least it's at least it's cardiovascular workout. or what, It was just, like, nobody had any, any issues with it. So... You know, well, it's uh, the sort of thing you can't really do now. I, I grew up going to a Hick High School as well, and this was very common in in the pickup trucks in the student parking lot with the guns in the gun rack. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, no. You you would have never thought to use one on people. No. Well, but, you wouldn't have done it anyway. Probably. I uh, I certainly didn't think about it. I I would say this that when I was in high school there were any and this is I'm not the last year to have done this but there were any number of kids who had their senior photo taken with a gun. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you look through my high school, you know, think there's like the kid there's there's basically Four kinds of there's four kinds of senior high school photos, or at least there was when I was going to school. One was the guy getting his picture taken with a guitar. Mm-hmm. Two, guy getting his picture taken trying to look cool, failing miserably. That was me, uh, because you know mullet, ugly, horrible, whatever. And then also, like the obligatory black trench coat, cause loser. Uh, but thrown jauntily over my shoulder. Oh. You know, as though I was, like, off to, you know, like I was off to see the world or something. Uh, <laughs> did you, Rick Emerson, did you see the world? No. No, I really didn't. Never um, got out of bug tussle, he didn't. I, it was just awful. And I'm wearing, like, this terrible, like, gray plaid shirt. It was just, like, the worst thing ever. And I think and I think a woven tie, like a knit tie, now oh, that I think yeah, about it. It's like a whole combination of things that don't go together. Uh, third, guy getting his picture taken with a gun, uh-huh. uh, usually a rifle, but sometimes there was actually one guy, and his high school photo is, it actually kind of looks like that, Sarah, that photo of you with the AK-47 on your, um, space account, mm-hmm. but it was like, it was taken from behind the guy and over his right shoulder, and he was like, both hands extended, Charlie's angel side with a pistol, shooting at something, I think a human-shaped target, uh, and, you know, that... And then there was the fourth kind, which was like the three people that actually managed to look fantastic. So, and they were just the object of bitter envy and scorn by the rest of us. Well, this is so weird that you're talking about this because I, I forgot to bring this. I was actually going to bring my high school 
uh, yearbook picture because oh. I had we were watching American Idol last night and How there was a guy on there. Like this? Well, in, and this guy on there had this massive fro, and believe it or not, I had a massive fro. You, you still kind of have a mini fro. It's, I can see if you let that. Me. No, if you let that go, you'd be uh, you'd be right. what's it, you'd be William Cat from Greatest American Hero. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or Bernie from Room Two Twenty Two. If you want to go back far enough. There you go. But uh, you remember the, the, the picture was one of those. Remember those where they would have the, the main picture, and then there'd be this ghostly kind of silhouette. Yeah, the profile pic yeah. in the background. And I don't mean profile so, like on MySpace. I mean yeah. like turning, like the mugshot where you do both of those. But really it was like weird. one was sort of like the spirit you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lisa Wood has that on her um, on her space where it's just a silhouette of the side of her head with a blue background. And then inside is a little her uh, ice skating in her head. <laughs> Oh, wow. It's well, amazing. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, this is the awkward transition into something completely different. No, we're going to come back to that. I just don't we have, but there's somebody who's joining us in the studio, and I don't want to be uh, selfish with that. I'm trying to bring on Kelsey with. So this is uh, Sarah's friend, Kelsey, who has uh, been in the program with us before. Hello, Kelsey. How are you today? Hello. Good. All right. So, she sounds so proper on the oh, yes, Well, she sits up straight when she speaks. You don't, so I, can't, I can't cuss. You don't sound at all like uh, like someone who was making awful, inappropriate jokes during the break. So here's, so here's the reason uh, that we've had Kelsey come in. Today. This is actually, you were here uh, last week, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of hanging out in the studio with Sarah and doing some of the... Uh, but but you, made, you made this great observation during a break that we didn't really have time to explore, but it was something that, like you said it, and I immediately knew that it was a thing we had to talk about. Because you worked at what we will call a... Uh, a, you worked at what we will call a prominent coffee chain. Yes. A uh, prominent chain of, of coffee... Uh, Dispensaries, That's what we loved yes, a lot. That was yeah. That was uh, they were that we were quite fond of them here in in Portland. Um, but I forget how we even got onto the subject. But we were talking about coffee places, sort of Starbucks type places, and you referred to a specific kind of customer by name. In in other words, not like George. You said of like oh nickname. he's what was the nickname you used? I think it was. Oh, he was a decaf bastard. A decaf bastard. <laughs> and I said, "What?" I said, "Please, please to explain what is that." And you right. go, "Oh, a decaf bastard is somebody." And I said, "Wait a minute, it's just like your thing." And you go, "No, no." Everybody there said, "Oh, no, no, Everybody that's Jerry. That. He's one of the decaf bastards." Mm-hmm. And and you were immediately. I, no, it's fantastic. This is the sort of thing that I can talk about for days. And so before we actually have you sort of elaborate on that and give some others. Because immediately in my head, I went from the A of you saying that to the Z of knowing. Don't you think every business and industry has, definitely, yeah, like a, a set type of customer or multiple types that everybody knows, and you've got your own little nicknames for them? I mean, radio yeah. certainly does. So, oh. so Kelsey, when we were talking about this a few nights ago, she's like, yeah. "Does radio have it?" And like, "Oh yeah, like Prize Pig." Prize yeah. Pigs is the I same one I thought yep. of. A Prize Pig is somebody where you get the idea that about eighty-five percent of their yearly uh, income is just derived by sitting around with, like, a speed dial calling every radio station in town for every contest, no matter how small or insignificant wow. the prize, and then they win that. And, like, that's a – I'll just say this, just this one <laughs> one little brief thing, and then we'll go to your list, which is great, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, and they will have observations on this, undoubtedly. The, I will say at one point last year I was doing this thing, uh, de- desperate, you know, pathetic uh, attempt for self-validation, where I was going door-to-door and thanking people for listening, and I went to – I went. I went to the house of someone who um, also listens to wh- what we will call another radio station. Okay. And I swear to God, inside the home, about seventy percent of the things in the home clearly had been won via radio contests. Wow. Like the home was decorated. I mean, it really. It was. It was almost like you'd gone into. It was almost like you'd gone into some sort of a. 
I, I don't know, like like one of those sort of like fake display kitchens that they put up at like a hardware store where it's like they're showing, yeah. and it's outfitted entirely with Pfizer accessories, as you can see, or whatever that company that makes that makes sausages, oh, yeah. Fisher or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was like that, but it was like all done from like K blah 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 contest, like the whole house Coffee was like mugs that. And everything. Exactly, and there wow. that was the very definition of a prize pick. <clears throat> so. Kelsey, please to elaborate now. Uh, customer types. First of all, what is a decaf bastard? Well, pretty much it's from the point of ordering anybody who says, oh, and it has to be decaf. And you're like, okay, cool. It's in the computer. You're good. Five seconds later, they're like, and, and you got that that was decaf, right? And then you go, yeah, yeah, it's going to be decaf. Don't worry. We'll have it in just a sec. And then as they're walking over to where the pickup area is, they'll be like, oh, sweetie, that was decaf, right? Was that? <laughs> did you get that? That was decaf. Okay, yeah, okay. I just, I have sweetie. to. It has to be decaf. Yeah, they always call you sweetie, too. And it's like, really? Sometimes they're younger than you, and then it's weird. But <laughs> Because they just totally assume weird. that you either didn't hear or didn't care. Yeah, and so then, like, we actually, this one specific lady, uh, 17 times from ordering to picking up, said, is that decaf? Can you make sure that's decaf? And then she told us she was allergic to caffeine. She would die if she had caffeine, which we all know is not true because there's a little bit of caffeine in decaf. Right. Mm-hmm. So we could have killed her. We don't know. Were you tempted swore, to try it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she swore to us. I was like, well, ma'am, you know that there's a little bit of caffeine in decaf. Like, I don't want you know to, you to die. And she was like, oh, no, no. I mean, it just has to be decaf. I'll break out and seizures and all this crazy stuff. We're like, okay, here you go. And she walked off and she was like, thanks. But... I don't know. It was just weird. Can I tell you that I uh, years ago I worked at I worked at a Seven Eleven uh, in another state, and there was a and and I typically you know I I try to be respectful. The customers always right and whatever. But there was a guy who came in. He was just a just a jackass, just an a hole like you would not even believe. And he was again he was just like an absolute dick about the caffeine. He was just just a bastard about it. And and so I I gotta tell you there was and I only did it once, but there was one time uh, and it was right as I think I I knew they were about to fire me anyway. And I I am. I will not lie. I will admit that I actually made sure that he got like triple the amount of caffeine oh. one day. You know what? I personally have never done that, but I know lots of people that have. Yeah. But I do also know that nobody's ever spit in anybody's drink, and I know people are always afraid of that. But at my store, we never. Oh, see, I nobody just ever did that. No. I and I'm not I saying they more caffeine. I always just gave less, like when people were yeah. Being see, that bitchy. was the thing. If they're like, oh, and it has to be four shots, and they were like, total. Like the quad yeah. venti. Mm-hmm. You know. And and you're not even at Starbucks, and then you're like, wow, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't you say people talk to you like order in Starbucks form, like they say venti? And yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, like. The Starbuckians is what we call them because they would always, no matter what, even if they'd say, "Can I get a vente frappuccino with blah 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 blah?" and order all these crazy terms, and then I would process it in my head and go, "Okay, I know exactly what you want. We totally have that here. For future reference, we call it this." And then they'd be right. like, "No, no, it has to be a vente." And I'd be like, "Well, vente is 20 ounces, and our largest 20 ounces, so it's the same thing." And then they'd be like, "No, no, no, it it needs to be a vente." And you'd be like, "Okay, really? Like I?" And you can yeah. just feel Mr. Hand becoming so Mr. Fist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so patient, but the smile starts to turn really fake well, I behold the marketing power of Starbucks, though, that they can just imprint that yeah, language. It's kind of a point of pride with me that I don't ever say any of that because, and look, and I know that people will say that venti's a made-up term, and, I, and it's not. It's like, it's Italian, and I, and I know that, and whatever, but it feels so made up. Leaving your mouth, and maybe this is just me, but like when it, when it leaves my mouth, I feel dumb. Saying the word venti out loud it makes me feel stupid, and so I just yeah, can't. I just it makes me cr- even to think about saying it makes me cringe. I don't know why. Tall maybe, also. Maybe you'd feel better if you put like a southern twang to it. Like a bit. Maybe I feel a little bit better. Yeah. I suppose. I think it's, it's just kind of like you don't know better. You know. I, I think it's just like it makes me feel like a poser. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm really like I'm attempting to be. Like, like I'm attempting to act as though I'm a sophisticated. Well when really, I'm just buying some crushed up beans in a cup. I mean, it's yeah. not like you know. Uh, all right, other customer types other than decaf bastard. Um, let's see. Uh, there was one that was. 
kind of silly. It was just we called them squinties because anybody who didn't have their glasses and couldn't see the menu would just stand there with this really <laughs> funny face, like, um, and, like, their mouth is kind of open all weird, and they would just, like, stare and squint, 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 and we'd be like, hey, there's a menu right here if you want, and they'd be like, no, 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 it's okay, and they would just keep looking at the menu they clearly menu. can't see. And they, then they would ask questions that were, like, the biggest thing on the menu, and we're like, really, <laughs> just let us read it to you. Like, come on, but, yeah, That's fantastic. Like, oh, it's a squinty, and we didn't, sometimes we didn't want to help them because see, it was hard. I love the idea, though, that no matter where you go as a customer, no matter what kind of business, these conversations are probably being had about you. Oh, yeah. I mean, about me, about any of us. I was squinty at Wendy's once because I forgot my glasses. Really? And there's somebody... Like, oh, my God, Renee, I'm a squinty. I was a teenage squinty. Yeah. Jack, you have to handle the register. There's another squinty. I just can't take them out. I'm going to go on my break. Will you please go assist? What they didn't know is you're just high, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, those, those ones are funny. What is? Uh, what else do we have? Oh, my. Um. Let's see. I had a... Uh, Oh, wait, can I say this word? Uh, wait, sluts? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can say sluts. That's well, like Ron Peebo asked if he could say crap. Uh, as he was doing a penis watch, I think. All right, yes. Okay. What is the next turn? You guys, this show is hilarious. Um, so you never was, heard of penis watch? I, I haven't. And I got to say pooping in there, too. Wow. Moving forward. This is amazing. Okay, so uh, we called some people Wi-Fi sluts because we had free Wi-Fi. And as you know, Starbucks, like, used to or still does, I don't know, charge. We have to buy a thing You have to now. buy a thing. Yeah. And we were just like, really? It's a Linksys router. It costs, like, 10 bucks. Come on. Like, right. free Wi-Fi. So there would be lots of people in our store all the time that would just, like, just to use the Wi-Fi. And we'd be like, just get a cookie or something. They would spend, like, <laughs> nine hours. Just I pretend mean, you're a customer. Yeah. Or, like, maybe, like, when we went over to clean up around you, just kind of go, oh, and, like, move when we're closing. You right. know, like, there would be people there till we're closed. Like, oh, when are you closing? Be like, oh, well, actually, we're already closed. So if you could just, like, we, we were being nice, you know, right. like, leave. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And they would stay there until we literally, like, kicked them out the doors because the free Wi-Fi. But instead, they're just sitting there, like, playing that mm-hmm. bejeweled game on My Yahoo. We, yeah. We used to laugh. We would go behind guys, like, looking on MySpace at, like, girls' profiles and doing searches for, like, 21 to 23, average builds, like, all this stuff. <laughs> Wi-Fi like, sluts. wonder if he's going to find a sweetheart. And, the Wi-Fi and... slut, by the way, is not an updated version of, but a variation on. Mm-hmm. And I was one of these uh, folks, and I, I think I can speak for Don Taylor, uh, who was here yesterday about this. The, the uh, drama slash debate slash goth nerds who would go to Sherry's. And we would, yeah, we would pool our money because we have any money, of course. No, you know, no actual social circle apart from each other. So we would pool our money. We would go to Sherry's like on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, because we were edgy. And we were especially edgy because we would sit in the smoking section, even though most of us didn't smoke. And we would all get coffee. And occasionally, again, you throw the money together, you get fries and then the ranch on the side. And then then you would just stay there until like three in the morning and the waitress would come by and you know that she just hated us, just hated us. And we weren't actively obnoxious. I take pride in the fact that we weren't rude or whatever, but we were never going to buy anything else. I mean, that was it. And, you know, and uh, I mean, that's, we just milked it. Like, we milked that bottomless coffee for every minute of time we could get at Sherry because that was the only place you could go we had to get away from your parents. Yeah. Danny's. It was the yeah. same exact thing, though. Like, you just talked about me being 15. Like, yeah. That was exactly, it was just Denny's instead. And the Good. 75 cent coffee that you'd be like, yeah, can I get, like, two more refill things? And she's yeah. probably, she's probably looking at you thinking, wow, big tipper's here. No, yeah. and, and that's, and, and you we, must... did, we did try to tip, though. And, okay. the, yeah. and the thing that's is, good. the waitresses know, like, when you come in, why? Because they saw another version of you like <laughs> well yeah and, and like every year they've seen a different mm-hmm. crop of you come in yeah. um and i'm sure that it's probably i mean i don't know where the kids go now but i mean it's probably happening 
as we speak, if you were to go to some 24-hour eatery around here, you will see a, yeah, a bunch of drama nerds, goth nerds, whatever, and they're all sitting there, and they're, like, drinking their coffee, and they're brooding. You <laughs> they're know? full of angst. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, and then... And, they're really know. wired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. What else have we? Um, let's see. Come on, do the one that you don't want to say, but you should. Now, why doesn't she want to say it? Is it... Uh... Oh, because she's, she's like, so... Look. I, That's I, why. Oh, no, that you shouldn't know. That one's great. That one's great. As soon as she was saying, I'm just like, Here's honey, thing. we had a listener party call. I'm, Here's the money. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking the list from you. And I'm okay. just going to, I'm going to ask these, and then you're going to, you'll just tell me what they are. Okay. Okay. Who is the 143 degree soy lady? That is a woman that requested her soy latte be exactly 143 degrees, which as we all know, thermometers don't go by the, you know, ones that go by like five increments. So she actually had me make it and then show her with the thermometer that it was between these two lines. Are you kidding me? More to the one side that would be 143 than 145. That is fantastic. And I did it because I'm amazing, but wow, it took a second, you know? Like, it was kind of hard. Well, she can't drink it at that time. And she was watching me, like, the whole time, and I was like, oh, so nervous. But, and yeah, don't you wonder where awful. she arrived? Yeah. Did she tell you why 143? She just said that's all. Like that's what I drink it at. Like that's that's the only because typically like lukewarm or drinking temp would be like 140, 150. Right. Oh. But and I was like, oh, so like 140. She's like, no, 143. And I just honestly, I looked at her and I was like, she's crazy. And I like, <laughs> knew it, you know, like I knew she was that kind of crazy that I just had to do it for her and be nice about it because otherwise you knew there was a knife happen. in the handbag. Yeah. Like yeah. So I was just like, okay. And she was really nice. And she looked at the thermometer and was like, thank you, and walked away. Because so. if you didn't, and she. Was probably very pleasant as long as you did it. Exactly. But if you had, if <laughs> you had refused or screwed it up or oh, or really? laughed, you know that there would have been like, like <laughs> a guy like Dave would have been reporting on the like news that it. night, <laughs> like the woman led away in handcuffs. Yeah. And everyone's like, I just asked for it to be 143 degrees. Is that too much? And then like just showing your beheaded body, oh, yeah. sort of laying <laughs> on the ground. You know, no, but I mean that's exactly you. We hear news stories about that that's all true. the time. There was that guy a couple stuff. weeks ago where there's like a guy. It, he was at the uh, showing at the Benjamin Button movie. And some dude in front of him was like unwrapping the candy too loudly. Oh, and he's that's like, right. Look, could you unwrap your, your jujubees a little quieter? And the guy just did, and, the, and then out comes the gun. <gasps> dead. He sh- he and he's like, him? Yeah, and he was just, just like, yeah, he, would, he wouldn't be quiet. I was trying to watch the movie. Jujubees. <laughs> and so that's, that's the sort of thing that happens in this, in this effed country of ours. Uh, I'm really glad that I, that I did it right. Um, let's see. You have here creepy, cool old men. Oh, so there's two kinds of like. Dirty old men, basically, and some of them are really cool because they say funny jokes that are, you're like, oh, I haven't heard that one. It's probably from the early 1900s, and it's like, <laughs> kind of silly, but it's cute, and they call you a broad and stuff, and you're like, I like you because you're cool. Because you're the copy dame. You're the cool guy, yeah. But then, like, then there's the other ones that are just kind of creepy that, like, they'll be like, hey, you're out of milk over here, and you're like, okay, and then they'll, like, make a joke, which you can all probably think of one in your head about milk. <laughs> there's less economy of our jokes, you know? Yeah. The cream and such, and yeah, oh. yeah, it's pretty bad, you well, know. But I mean, and 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 I know that barista is another another mm-hmm. word that is a real word that Starbucks is sort of owned. But I mean, mm-hmm. but if you're a woman who works at a coffee place mm-hmm. like that, you must. I mean, that doesn't it seem to you? And then I'll ask Dave. Does it seem to you, Dave, that do you have the same sense that I do? That probably for some reason I can't quite quantify that women who work at coffee places get a disproportionate amount of creepy guy customers who attach themselves to you like they've got a special connection. And I don't know why in my head I think it's probably worse for coffee employees, but I think it probably is. Typically a lot, I don't know why, I mean, a lot of coffee girls are cute. It just just happens somehow. Mm -hmm. A lot of girls in coffee shops just are cute. And maybe it's because they're, 
I, they're I, like I, fun and social maybe i don't know i always hired like really nice people just friendly and, and happen to be hot so and, that was cool. and maybe it's because you see them and because maybe if you're a coffee customer you know people latch on to a particular coffee place but it's because yeah. they're seeing you every day yeah maybe that's part of it actually that's true and plus like the i saw you's and stuff like we used to always get i saw you's like you girls are so nice and i'm married but like hey just want to let you know you're all really gorgeous and we'd be like oh we're never gonna know who you are but that's cute <laughs> well, i think you remember you're on to something because you know that one place in salem uh, that one coffee, little coffee hut in Salem, where the uh, baristas all start wearing the bikini, bikini place, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's what they're trying to identify. Yeah. With. I don't, you know, I don't probably go to them enough. I always seem like it seems to me that they're too busy to be hit on. Oh yeah. Because mm. it's Sometimes like, they are, yeah. I've got decaf, I've just flying. Mm-hmm. So you know, how are you going to sneak a, huh, baby? You know. <laughs> and I, well, here's a question. So if you, I mean. So if you get you get the guy who comes in and he's obviously like flirting with you, especially mm-hmm. if you see him every day. Oh right. So what is it? I mean, you must. But you kind of have to go along with it, right? I mean, you yeah. can't. Like you can't really be like hey, get get there's, bent. There's some like magical way that most girls in coffee shops know how to handle those people that mm-hmm. ends up letting them think like, oh man, she still likes me, but like I, I kind of understand it's off limits. Like yeah. and even if you didn't have a boyfriend, you can at least pretend to have exactly. one. Exactly, like, that's another thing. Somebody. Yeah, I had to do that a couple times. Now, and Sarah worked at Starbucks, and yeah. you've you've told this story on the air. Uh, the, the, there was, was oh, the couple who asked the me to couple that wanted you to friend. be their pal. Except that didn't happen when I worked at Starbucks. That happened when I worked uh, at uh, this place called Cafe Revisa in, uh, in Bremerton. It's called Polyamory, Sarah. Yeah. And we <laughs> like to well, the guy wrote me a note and he was, and he, he's like, my wife and I both think you're very attractive <gasps> and we'd like it if you'd like to join us oh, in the bedroom. No. I'm like, oh, oh no. Did it really say in the bedroom? Yes. And it was a long note too. I still have it somewhere in Bremerton. Wow. <laughs> must find, I must know, bring. I must find that. Yeah, I think it's in the. Yeah, I think it's at the trunk at the end of my bed. But it was like a three-page folded, what? like creepy note. And toward wow. the end, it's just, but there's like, oh, we both think you're you know charming. And Your like, alabaster skin is very appealing. Ooh. You know what that reminds me? Once I got at the airport because the coffee shop I worked at was at the airport. I got a hotel key card with. Uh, the room number written on it in Sharpie and a sticky note attached to it that said, like, I'll be there all night. And I was the, it was at a one-person store, and I was the only person working. Oh, my God. Wow, this never so, yeah. happens to so guys. Then, I was like, then I'm, like, looking around the concourse, I'm like, oh, God, ooh, maybe it's that really hot guy. No, maybe it's that gross guy. Oh, God, who is Waiting it? Waiting for the sound of duct tape behind you. Yeah. <laughs> you should have totally taken some friends and gone to... I know. Yeah. I wish I would have known you back then. I, I know. Really come with you. I was by myself and I was like closing up by myself. But if anybody was with me, we probably would have got a mini bar. You know that to the hotel room or <laughs> given it to somebody else and been like, "Hey, you should like." That's what we talked about this, too. Is I should have given it to a, like another guy and been like, "Hey, you should show up later." It's my room. She's you know? real hot. Real, real hot. This never happens yeah. to guys who work anywhere. Yeah. No guy, like a guy who works at Fry's Electronics, is never getting <laughs> this. I mean, it's just never the case. Uh, all right, and so finally, and I'll, I'll, I'll we'll end with this one here. This is the one that it, you you uh, I, I know are a little reluctant to do this, but I'm just going to quash that right now. Okay. So we've been talking about um, at, at and this is particular to coffee places, but I'm sure every business has their types of customers. In fact, in clerks, there's a whole there's a whole little riff. And I'll play it tomorrow actually as a show. But there's a whole riff in clerks about the types of convenience store customers, <laughs> like the. Um, the one example he gives is like the milkmaids, and he says milkmaids are the women who sit there and go through the entire milk section because they're they're convinced there's a magical milk that won't expire for five years, yeah. and they're looking for the you know the longest expiration date. <laughs> so the final coffee coffee shop customer type, Kelsey, that you have noted here is. <laughs> It's just one word and a smiley face. No, it's but not the, a smiley face. Plural. It's a, it's a this face. It's a smug face. Oh yeah, it's the it's the straight it's just line. a straight Let's line, and they're called <laughs> arts. A R T S. Please to explain. <laughs> well. So uh, when I worked at the airport, we would, you know, see a lot of famous people flying through and like, you know, Tony Hawk was awesome and like 
Tyra Banks was kind of crazy and like was she? We yeah, you really? Tyra Banks. Yeah, she was. Did crazy. the crazy just she come off her in waves? She was, She had like 17 bags and she had scarves all over the place and she was just like a big mess of like, and then she exploded into our coffee shop and we were like, hi, oh my god, it's Tyra Banks and she was like, I need a blah blah, blah like right now. Or I'll beat like, you with the phone. Oh okay. <laughs> no, that's Naomi Campbell. Yeah. Really. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Don't complain. <laughs> Well, wait, wait. Not who's the one that has Tyra the TV? Tyra Banks has a TV show. Oh, okay. Naomi Campbell kind beats of... her uh, her assistant. Okay. <laughs> Tyra Banks is the one who did the weird thing on the TV show where she was watching her own show as an audience member. Oh my god! Did you ever see that? Totally creepy. No, I watch Tyra. Crazy. I watch like ten minutes of it every morning when I'm getting ready because it's the only thing on. That wait, show is deeply she... unnerving. Yeah. No, it kind of creeps me out watching. Mm-hmm. I didn't so... know that until Paddock told me. He's like, "You got to be watching that show. It's so creepy." <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, okay. She always tries to play with the children that are on there, and they always ignore her. <laughs> They're scared of her. <laughs> they are every time. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, the arts. What is the arts? So, uh, there's a certain person who is in a band called Everclear. And it's Art Alexander. <laughs> and uh, he used to fly a lot because, I don't know. Because he's cause famous. Because he's got places to be. So he would come into our work a lot, and he'd always get, like, a decaf soy mocha, I believe, with, like, no whipped cream, no whipped cream, you know. We always thought it was kind of funny that he always got, is like in the morning and he always mm-hmm. got decaf, but right. whatever. But he... Because um, he's all about clean living, Kelly. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just packing his body full of chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he would um, never tip, and we always just kind of thought that was sucky because wow. it was... Portland and and he's from here and it's and everybody knows shop and, well, and everybody knows you figure if you're a celebrity you tip only because people are gonna go hey I know you and you didn't yeah. oh you bastard yeah and and the worst part is when you go okay your drink is two ninety five and then you give them five cents change and then you watch them just go whoop and put it right in the pocket into the pocket are you wow. kidding me so then what were arts called like just like people that like that like you give them a nickel back and you made them like a crit a nickel back <laughs> you gave them like a crazy <laughs> sorry you gave them like a crazy extravagant drink you know and it was like five dollars and ninety five cents and then they would not tip you that like so they are arts and it only really happened we only really said that so much when he would come in and then a couple weeks after that we would call people that would be like oh like that one time you know but yeah like he was an art that is quite wonderful thank you Kelsey that was one of my favorite I just want to say it on the air you know the one thing I'm curious about nothing makes you feel more entrenched in middle age when you go to a specialty coffee shop and you ask for a black coffee oh no you're cool we love you guys oh really yeah low well, maintenance no and I don't know I drink black coffee it means you like the taste of the coffee yeah. to me that's kind of cool well like, somebody there's okay. this great yeah. book uh, that, cool. I feel better now <laughs> this book I kind of raved about last year when it came out is called Star Starbucked, and it's by Taylor oh. Clark, who worked at Willamette Week, and it's a, it's a, not just about Starbucks, but it's about the rise of the coffee industry in America, and it's, you know, what it means, you know. Uh, Here's another Starbucks. Not oh. that Starbucks. We've got all these Starbucks books. Since so they always send us books about Starbucks. For really? Some Starbucks is great, though, because it talks about the rise of the specialty coffee industry and how, you know, what, you know, how it impacted society and mm-hmm. the economy and whatever. Um, but he noted, he said something really great with them. He noted that Starbucks, in particular, uh, that they sell something like... I don't know. It's like they sell ten times as much milk as they do coffee. Hmm. And he noted that really Starbucks isn't in the coffee business. They're in the milk business. That Starbucks doesn't sell that much coffee. What Starbucks sells is milk and chocolate drinks to people who think they like coffee. And so that's your whole thing about when you drink a cup of coffee or, you know, regular coffee. That it means that you're there. I'm not, I'm not like saying it's better for some reason, but no. it just, but it, you know, but I mean, there's a difference between that and basically wanting a milkshake mm-hmm. that you can tell your friends oh. isn't a milkshake. No, 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 yeah. it's not a milkshake. It's a coffee drink. Well, you mm-hmm. know, it's funny though. You sometimes you have to go through this litany of questions, and before I have my coffee, I am not a nice person. Right. 
And so I'm, I'm not awake. I'm trying to answer all these questions. Would you like this? Would you like that? No, just coffee, black. Mm-hmm. What kind of milk? Oh, I don't know. The kind that comes out of a cow. How about that? You know? You're a jerky morning person, Oh, babe? I'm an ass. Yeah, but really. see, my final oh, note about this. And we've got, oh, you know, we've got to wake up. Oh, yeah, we've got, uh, and I, I want to say right now, we've got some people on hold who have been there for, forever, forever, forever. Uh, there's actually a guy who's been on hold, and he's actually now he actually just emailed me and it just says I'm on hold. Um, so we got to get the calls. We got more news, all of that. So my final thing here, and this is a little public service from me to to, to whatever to y'all. Um, you know, and everybody has their own Steve Buscemi monologue about tipping and whatever. Maybe you tip, maybe you don't. But if, if you're gonna tip, first of all, and there's certain people that I always tip. I always, 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 if I have uh, a buck or two, I always tip the guy who pumps my gas. Yeah, always. you taught me that. I always do now also. And you know what? And, and, and the thing is, and it's, it's a like. a satisfying feeling. Because they never expect it, yeah, which I guess no, is bad. No. Because they, they, yeah, they just get, you know, because they're, you know, they're, and they're out there breathing fumes. And you know what? They're out there when it's like 20 degrees. Oh, man. When the snow blast happened, you know, nobody left the house anywhere. I, you know, try, you know, I was coming to work though, so I pulled my truck in. Guy comes right out. He was there, you know, didn't, nice. didn't leave. And they're out there when it's hot. They're out there when it's cold. And you know what? I, they work harder than most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tip that guy. But here's but the only other thing I'm going to say is this. You really ought to tip the person who gives you your coffee in the morning, especially if they're having to, like, you know, put it all together. You know why? Because, and this is maybe something you've never thought about, and I never thought about it until it was pointed out to me by somebody. The person who gives you your coffee, think about their day. That is an endless procession of people coming in the door who are cranky because they haven't had their coffee. Mm-hmm. So you are dealing, I mean, they, the coffee person, man, woman, whoever, is dealing with an endless litany of cranky people, cranky because they have not gotten the coffee yet. So for that reason alone, you got to yeah. tip them. When I worked at the airport, I had to, our store opened at 5 a.m., so we had to be there at 4.30, which oh. is totally crazy. Kill me. But I mean, like, you know, we didn't have time to have our coffee either, too, so you have to think about that, because a lot of people get there, and they're like, oh, crap, open the store, hurry. Right. You don't really have time to, like, make yourself a nice little latte or anything. Right. You just get going, you know? Right. But, yeah, we had um, not only morning people that were just generally not happy, but also canceled flight people, people oh, yeah. that spent Ooh. the night there, Ooh. like... It was crazy. Yeah, and plus their body is going, you need more caffeine right now. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, thank you for coming in. Yeah, thank you. All right, you. excellent. Kelsey, thank ladies you. and gentlemen. All right. Uh, if you are on hold, and I'm looking right here, we've got a, uh, let's see, uh, we've got somebody about coffee, somebody about coffee slash car accident, somebody who says, I must point out to Sarah, dot, 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 and then finally this one just says, about pictures of cell phones and boobs, or pictures on cell phones of boobs. So we, And it's a woman. So we'll get to that here in just a moment. If you're on hold, I swear to Christ, we'll get to you momentarily. Hang tight. Uh, back right after this with uh, Dave Schmidtke and more. Don't go anywhere. Putting the cult in pop culture. This is the Rick Emerson Show, only on AM 970, The Talker. The Talker. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Just a moment, we return to the news desk with Dave Schmidtke later on, uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Join us. Uh, and a double snuff watch uh, coming over the transom here in just a moment. All right, we'll get these calls. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. 
Hey, Rick, I just wanted to point out, you know, you were talking about uh, the Richie bought that car from, uh, uh, from Sarah. In cash earlier today, $300 right. out of his wallet. Yeah, a bunch of money, cash out of his wallet. Now, let's see, where was it that he said that he stored his cash in his special hidey hole of his Sarah Oh. Payment? I'm not sure. ruin this for me. He... You know, Sarah, you might want to bring out the Purell. I'm, I'm just... Suggesting. I honestly hadn't thought about it. So Richie then later revealed that he stores the cash in the private area of his Sarah Palin blow-up doll. And, and when I first called in, and he says, well, that's not the only thing that's been in there. Oh. <laughs> uh -huh. Have oh. a nice afternoon, Sarah. Thanks. Have fun compulsively scrubbing your hands with steel wool. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, I wanted to uh, comment because I can, I can kind of relate to uh, some of those you know, the coffee things. I, I'm actually a, uh, I hate to say it, a barista. Yeah, I think you're a barista. Wouldn't you be a barista? Uh, yes. Yeah, I guess, I guess that would be true. Um, except one of the differences that is that I work at a drive through coffee stand, so we get a lot of those customers, except now they're all in a hurry. So it's, um, so it's not only an endless procession of people grumpy because they haven't had their coffee, but they've all got somewhere to be right now, and they really don't have time for this. And here, uh, let me ask you this. It seems to me, this is just a guess, it seems to me that if you have, let's say, uh, you know, uh, you have a, a brick-and-mortar store, in other words, a regular coffee place, and then, in, you know, like 50 feet away, there's the drive-through coffee place, probably people who come into the coffee shop, they actually come into the store, they probably just know, I mean, you know, it's just, just out of instinct, they know to hang up their cell phone when they're ordering. People who come through the drive-through and order coffee at a drive-through, I bet half of them are actually on the phone. Um, yeah, we get we get a number of those. Yeah. Uh, most people, like people who have been through, they they know the deal and they know to turn off their phone. But yeah, every so often you do get the person who's never been here, so they. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah. I would not want that job. Just dealing with humanity at its grumpiest and most impatient. Oh, and it's even better because um, I, I think I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the whole idea of the specialty coffee drink thing. But people love to change their orders just right in the middle of you know when you're making it. So. Like, oh, oh, can you make that three shots instead of four? Oh, I'm sorry. Exactly. Yeah, thanks. Or, That'd be or great. They, or they say, oh, oh, I wanted, oh, I wanted this flavor in that. Or, oh, that was supposed to be decaf or iced. Ice yeah. is my favorite one. Yeah. I've already got the milk steamed, and then, oh, what the hell do yeah. I do with that? Uh, well, sorry about that, my friend. Well, also, here's to, yes. Also, venti is uh, 20 in Italian. That's, yeah, see, that's, somebody who's in a made-up term, and it's not, but it is a thing that Starbucks is really sort of imprinted on the mind of everybody as yeah. medium or whatever. So, mm -hmm. Is that? It? But I mean, but where I is that? Twenty ounce. But wait, that's what I mean. But where is it? Like in the medium, like in the small, medium, large. It's the large. Okay. All right. So the what is a grande then? Sixteen ounce. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? That's backwards. See, doesn't it? it doesn't it seem? Because what does grande mean? It should be the the biggest, the largest. No, but I mean, what does the word grande mean? Doesn't that mean large? large? Yeah. yeah, grand. Well, that's just in. Okay, never mind. That's just counterintuitive. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. There you go. Why does why does the large mean medium? That's just silly. I don't know. And somebody hasn't checked the romance languages. These are the things that keep them up at night. They I, really I, are. I, I, I mean, can see that. All right. <laughs> There's uh, a vein popping out of his forehead. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. All right. Well, uh, think about this. Coffee and oxygen. Think I'm about it. thinking about it right now. Okay. So, what is inside the space of the molecules of the coffee liquid? Is, are you asking me questions that you already know the answer to? Not necessarily. I mean, it's uh, debatable. Like atoms, you know, what, what is in the space between the atoms? I don't know the answer to that. Well, you could say oxygen, but is oxygen really that small? No, it's not. 
Yeah, they're atoms too. And wonder, one could wonder if oxygen could mix with the liquid of the coffee mm-hmm. to make this oxygenated coffee. You know, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Hold on, I'm going to put on some almond brothers while we have this conversation. Dude. All right. How long have you been thinking about this today? Let's see. Uh, I'd say around uh, 10, 15 minutes. All right. Are we, uh, are we, we drinking or smoking today? <laughs> oh, um, I haven't been getting much sleep lately. Yeah. All right. Is that, uh, is that because you're up huffing airplane glue? Yeah. You know, I have a little um, paint remover and a uh, well, rim cleaner. That's, that's what that's I think really rim like. cleaner is something else. Rim cleaner, you know, to clean the rims of the car, you know. Oh, oh, that. All right. Well, uh, that's I made it. that mistake, too, the first time I was recommended to you. <laughs> um, you were going to go out on that line. Thank you. I was going to wait a second. No, no. No, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. This time I'm trying to find a bong hit. Bye now. There you go. Uh, so, so is that guy. Did you see Dave? Oh, wow. Um, okay, but just as a side note, I will tell you. The most stoned person I've ever heard. But this, and this is absolutely true. Speaking when Sarah was making that joke earlier about you know, the things that keep me up at night, like grande venti. As a side note, and this is totally true, I got kicked out of class one time, sent to detention when I was in uh, seventh grade. And it was because we were having a discussion about molecules and atoms. And I actually, to be fair, I asked the same question that guy asked. I said, okay, well, because they because they said this thing, which I, I, I guess they, it must be true. The teacher told me. But I remember my teacher telling me that, you know, atoms didn't fit perfectly together. There were spaces. And she said, for example, if you were to take all the spaces out between the atoms of a car, the car could probably fit through the eye of a needle. I remember her telling me this. She said, you know, that the, the, the atoms don't fit together perfectly, and so there's space. And she said, if all the space was removed and it was just the actual physical atoms, the car could go through the eye of a needle. And I remember raising my hand, and I said, well, what, but, like, what's between the atoms? Like, what is that called? What is the space between atoms? And she said, what, I said, what's there? She goes, well, nothing's there. And I said, well, how can nothing, like, that makes no sense. How can nothing be there? Something must be there. It can't be nothing. It can't be the absence of a thing. And, and which I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just didn't understand it. Like, it was such a weird concept. I mm-hmm. couldn't get my mind. And she finally, she, like, I asked too many questions. She, she gave me detention. So the, the moral cases don't try to learn. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. This is Matt. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. Um, I just wanted to know if you got those metal press plates that I brought in on Monday. Dude, you, okay. Here's, I, I have to say, you are literally... Uh, you are item number one in my day planner after 3 o'clock today. And I meant to do it yesterday. I meant to co- this, The Oregonian ran a really nice piece about us uh, a couple right. weeks ago. Okay. And Matt actually brought us the metal, the plates they use to print oh, the article. Oh, cool. And he brought them on Monday, and I feel like a jerk because I meant to call you yesterday about it. And then time time got away from me. There's a whole bunch of things. I wasn't able to do it. But in my day planner, I bracket out my, my to-do list as before the show or after the show. You are item A1. And then it's circled uh, it, it, to do after the show. I was going to call you and thank you for those. So I will do it. I'll do it now. Uh, thank you so much for dropping those off. That is one of the coolest things anybody has ever given us. And I've never seen a plate like in real life before. And it's beautiful. And I and uh, there are there's uh, there's you know there's enough. You know, I'm going to give one to, uh, to you know to Sarah and Tim. And it's very very cool. So thank you so much for that, my friend. You're welcome. That's why I bought three sets so everybody could have some and some extra care sheets and stuff like that. It is so. it is really really one of the. Thank you so much. It's one of the best well, things that I've ever ever seen, and it uh, and it was caught me totally by surprise. So thank you really uh, sincerely. Thank you so much. It really is quite beautiful. I'm going to get them framed. You're welcome, and that's, they do look really cool, friends. So oh, anyway, best show ever, and uh, I'm spreading the word. All right, thank you, Matt. All right, there thank you. Go. Yeah, no, he really, it really was in my day planner to call that guy today because it's. 
they're really just they're exceptional. So did you find mine? Mike? I did. No, I found oh, them all. Okay, you know, okay. The other things are so thin they were stuck together. Okay. I didn't okay. notice they were. Yeah, they were, and it was like I guess the metal. It's like a, almost really like a kind of, static yeah, cling kind of. I was a trying thing. not to think about it because I was getting a little upset about it. I'm like, who would? Yeah. Take oh, like he gets one and you don't get. Well, one. we have six and we could left it down here. Oh, gone. We could only find four of them, and I realized it. Like it is like a weird staticky thing where the metal the sheets stick together and you can't separate them. But I found they're all there. All right, well, let's, uh, Sarah, do you want to do uh, go to the news here? Because we got lots of uh, news to get to. Or do you want to get caught up and then we do we'll... do a quick break and then we can resume the news? So we'll get caught up and then we'll come back and we'll do a solid hour of news. Should we here. maybe do... Well, I guess we can wait till the other side. Yeah, so yeah. we've got a very... Um... Well, it's a compelling snuff watch. You'll want to be listening. So yes. on the other side. It just happened. So we'll come back and we'll give you an hour of pure distilled Schmidtgate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Hear the Yard Alexakis story again. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, moving on. That was Sarah just told me an awful cockroach story. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. No okay. problem. That'll be in my mind tonight. And they were in her hair. Yes, yeah, so they threw, they threw oh. her into the part of the pool. Like I, I thought for years that they were dead when she was telling the story, but no, they were all alive and like swimming on top of the water. And your brothers had moved them all into one area and then threw her yeah, into her that brother, area. Yeah, she grew up with yeah three brothers who loved to just torment her, and so they yes. they scooted all of the cockroaches off to one side of the pool. Oh. They're like, jump in, Christy, oh. and then she goes to jump in, they throw her oh. into the part with all the cockroaches. Okay. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. It is. Oh. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503 uh, We're here with Dave Schmidtke, oh. broadcaster extraordinaire. Titan. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, a titan. Titan of television. <laughs> uh, wow. We'll talk to Jim Roop here in a few. Uh, we'll play that whole uh, slap shop infomercial later on as well. But ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the news desk with Dave Schmidtke. Ladies and gentlemen, with your wow. double snuff watch for Wednesday. Dave I think you'd be really fun to drink with. You know, I think I am. <laughs> My wife doesn't believe so, but I believe yeah. that I am an absolute party. Well, she doesn't have to be there. She's just, yeah. Well, no. one of Dave's <laughs> best friends is uh, uh, the older brother of one of my good friends. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, Bart. Bart's, yeah, Bart's a crazy party. Yeah. I can totally see you, like, without too much difficulty, I can see you, uh, if I close my eyes, in that sequence in Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School, <laughs> where, like, you're, like, shirtless, but, like, whipping your shirt around and singing <laughs> Twist and Shout with Oingo Boingo. Well, it's funny, that so- that uh, Jim Carroll song you just played, I yeah. still have that vinyl. Really? I still have that the vinyl. The Catholic Boy album, I think yes. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. good. That's yeah. a great, great album, man. Excellent. But uh, let's talk about uh, the Snuff Watch today. I've got a twofer. Uh, and one of them, this just happened about a half hour ago, Ricardo Montalban uh, dies at 88. Dad! Yeah, that's right. See, that was the best I could do on short notice. They didn't mention that in this article. They, oh, wait, no, no, no. Oh, no, oh, no I wish I'd oh, Can I do it again? Can I do it again? Go ahead. Okay, yeah, that was, okay, do it again. Read, the, read just the slug there. Ricardo Montalban dies at 88. You mean Ricardo Montalban is gone? From hell's heart, I stab at thee. Wow. Look for huh? you for the win. Huh? 
Look at the big brain on this guy. Oh, why didn't I think of the gone? <laughs> See, you know, that's always the case with me. The second joke is always much better than the first. That's always the, my dynamic is I come up with the first joke, mm -hmm. which is okay, and then my second pass of the joke is always so much better. Yeah, so maybe you should just put a cork in it for the first one. How about you? I should I'll, be I'll like, write down, I write down like, the first joke and then yeah. say the second one. Like I should be like, sort of, yeah, like a variation on the Costanza. Well, I don't do the opposite, but I write the first joke down and then shred it. And then I go to the second joke. All right, let's all right now, let's all pretend that that gone joke was the first one I made. That I didn't do the other one about dead. Oh. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Okay. All right, I'm sorry. Let's, let's resume here. Well, the Mexican-born actor who became a star in splashy MGM musicals and later the wish-fulfilling Mr. Rourke yeah. in TV's Fantasy Island, the plane, the plane, died at his home in Los Angeles today. Um, no cause of death listed. And so, well, I think the cause of death was having been alive for 85 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah that would that would probably do it. I, I would doubt I would make it that far. And the uh, and also just living, you know, uh, living a living a spicy life. I think it was all that fine Cordovian leather. No, 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 no. Corinthian. Leather. Corinthian. It was the Cordoba was the car that, that you've totally just washed away the hell's heart. I said. Oh. Uh, and I don't. And here's the other thing about it uh, is that uh, where, were, where was he? Say where was he born? Was it Mexico City? Uh, Mexico. Uh, it's just no, just Mexico in general. And I like. think, although I am not sure, I think that it, actually through his entire life, I don't think he was ever actually an American citizen. I think he opted. Uh, just to retain his Mexican citizenship and was not actually, uh, you know, that really matters. Just but it's an interesting observation because he is, is, he is, he became such an iconic American figure because, of course, Rathacon, uh, -huh. uh Fantasy Island, and then of course, it, it, you know, the um, the extolling the virtues of the of the rich Corinthian leather for the Cordova. That was the car, though. Right, was that the right. car? It was the Chrysler. But it was um, Corinthian. You're right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you know, like every idiot DJ go like, what really is Corinthian leather? And which I suspect the answer is, it's made up. Like yeah. it's like retin inserts. I it's think like it's a probably... special different kind of cow. But I mean, do you know? I mean, do you know what Corinthian leather I have really no is? No idea. Is is Corinthian? Uh, it sounds like Spain from the city of Corinth. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, maybe it's a certain kind of cow. I don't know. Yeah. I have I no idea. Uh, somebody, Dennis Pitsenberger, if you're listening, call in and tell us what Corinthian leather Corinthian is. Corinthian leather. All right. Okay. Also, Emmy-winning actor Patrick McGuhan. McGuhan. McGowan. McGowan, I believe. Yeah. Best known for starring in the cult 1960s TV show, The Prisoner has died at the age of 80. He died in Los Angeles uh, after a short illness of his film producer, son-in-law, Cleve Landsberg, told the AP. See, and if I were a better geek, I'd be able to make like a prisoner uh, reference here. But I, that's a show that I... I feel like I ought to really uh, love, and I just, I just, it's I, just, it's, it's just too weird. I, can't I don't remember it. it. Yeah. You know, I, it started in 74, and, well, wait a minute. The first came for an episode. Because oh, it's no. a BBC thing, right? It was not even like it was a it was a show that aired. I, see, I don't even really know. I, it's one of those programs that I think they had it at uh, Movie Madness or something, and I mm -hmm. tried to sort of power load it, and it was just it resonated with me not the at all. Prisoner. I don't. No, I got what was it? I don't know what the plot was on that. I mean, it was a thing, and a guy did some stuff, and then he like jumped over something else. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, and we're done. <laughs> that is today's. <laughs> Bam! There you go. Snow Wait, hold on. Yeah, there we go. Go up strong on that on that lap. Thank you. Oh. That that kind of ended with a whimper, didn't it? The best part is how you're just singing along because you love the song. So that's oh, a great song, man. Gone. <laughs> I'm gonna do that like a hundred times between now and three o'clock, just so everybody. Can... Thank you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Thanks, you like my impression? She is, yeah, you, you have such a... 
Did you? Wide range. Were you, Were you at the midnight movie when Court and Fatboy showed Wrath of Khan? No, I'm... Dude, it was like the best thing ever. Ever, ever, ever. the one that Aaron was really drunk at? And crying like a woman. He was just... Because it's like... Because, of course, that's where you were. Spock dies. Um, and, uh, you know, because the, the you know, the, the whatever, the, the good of the one weighs out the... You know, Spock the good of dies? Yeah, yeah, because he sacrifices, him, he sacrifices himself uh, at the end. And there's a whole cheerful goodbye between... Oh, P.S. I'm sorry. I watched Iron Giant. Like and? Months ago. And? That just reminded me of it. And how could you not tell me? It how could great. wait? But how could you watch Iron Giant a month ago after like five years of me going to go to watch Iron Giant? I know I had not a bunch of people me. over and like all the guys. And I'm just like, this is the greatest movie ever. I love it. And it was. I, it was good. It was great. I okay. loved it. It was beautiful. But you find? Did you find it sort of sweet and touching? It was very sweet and touching. I think all the all the guys in the room were like a, more touched. I think yeah. than the ladies. Yes. But it was still a very great movie. I cry every time I watch it. Sometimes I don't even make it through the opening credits, and I'm not mm-hmm. lying. Seriously, have you ever seen the Iron Giant? Uh, no. Dude, is that the animated uh, big, big, big iron creature thing? I think the phrase "iron giant" might have denoted that it is a large thing made of metal. But uh, good, you mm, words, you, you really go speak goodly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, it is. A, it's a. It's an animated film from the guy that did The Incredibles, Brad Bird. Um, and it really is just. It's an amazing, amazing film. It's. Uh, it really is just. It's. It's just beautiful. It's a truly, okay. truly wonderful feature-length animated film. And it's not like a lot of where it's like, you know, and it's wacky farm animals that sing. I mean, it is oh. just, it you know, it's basically a movie that just happens to be animated, but it's about a kid in the Cold War era, the Sputnik, in fact, it happens right around the time that Sputnik launched, mm-hmm. who there's a, uh, a a robot who crashes to Earth, and a, he is found in the woods by this kind of by this small the small boy uh, who who befriends him and whatever. And it's, it's just, it's based on a, on a, on a book uh, by this guy, Ted Hughes, who was Sylvia Plath's husband. Uh, children's book, and it was just—it's it's just it's just beautiful. It is just a beautiful, beautiful movie, and um, and if you know guys, especially sort of geeky kind of guys, guys mm-hmm. who are very into sort of sci-fi or comics or whatever, you mention Iron Giant to them, and it's like they'll just begin to blubber, just 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 like children. I mean, and so, and literally, no lie, I'll watch it, you know, maybe once every six months, and it's like I don't even get to the opening credits, and I'm just—it's like how William Goldman. Who was the author, and he wrote Princess Bride and uh, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and whatever. And his favorite movie is Gunga Din, and he actually, you know, he's kind of a hard-bitten older guy, too, and he says that his favorite movie is Gunga Din, and every time he said he cannot even get to the opening credits, and he just begins, like, sobbing at the opening credits of Gunga Din because, because he already sees the whole movie happening in his head, and he just and he finds it to be such a, just a moving experience. So, anyway, Iron Giant is quite, uh, quite fantastic. So, well, I'm glad you finally watched it. Yeah. Uh, and and so it was worth it. Let's take a moment, ladies and gentlemen, to speak with our good friend... CNN Radio correspondent and man about town, James Rupp. Hello, sir. I just want to say, for those of you who remember Ricardo Montalban. Can we hear that one more time, please? Absolutely. <laughs> that is, Remember that? Yes. That's a good one. We were just having, okay, so we were just having a discussion. That, uh, and by the way, we're not any smarter than anybody else. We just have a had, we had the benefit of him dying during the show. So every hack morning uh, DJ will be asking tomorrow, what was Corinthian leather anyway? Was that like a made up thing? I think that was fake. I was like, uh, that was like one of those things that they uh, that they say is a product, but it's not, right? And that is, but that is the deal. Like it was, it was just. It was, it was leather uh, made in Corinth. See, that's what I said, but I was just making that up. I didn't even. That's not wrong. That's right. Wait, there is a place called Corinth? Yeah, it was imported leather for Chrysler's Cordova. Huh. And uh, that was his. That was one of the most famous lines I can remember as a kid. But that, see, I thought the Corinthian was like Pentium. It was just a made-up word. No, no. 
No, the Corinthians made the leather. Corinthian oh. leather makers. Oh, Corinthians, as in from from the from John Paul from John's first letter to the Corinthians, like the Bible. Yes. Ah, this tell you how much. That was Paul, by the way, who wrote it. It's been a long time since uh, Catholic school. <laughs> it tells you how much of the uh, you know like the catechism I remember. The day and you, you know, and you know this. I am Mr. Roth, your host. Welcome. I love that. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, he uh, Ricardo Monomai, hey, I'm been dead 30 seconds. Richie Bristol comes in and he goes, hey, uh, what was Ricardo Monomai's favorite kind of M&M? Do you know, Jim? No. Wait, hold on. Richie Bristol, can you come into the studio, please? Thank you. <laughs> Richie sort of is our own tattoo, isn't he? He is. He's our own Hervé Villachet. Uh, all right. Nice all right, there you go. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hey, Richie hey, Bristol. Um, what? What's a... <laughs> What is Rocco Montalban's favorite type of M&M? The uh, plane, the plane. There you go. Thanks so much. Oh, man. Bam. Yeah, okay. That's fantastic. Well, so, yeah, he's dead. Uh, and I, Yeah, he just died. And it wasn't like I thought he was... Actually, he died this morning. He it wasn't, you know, I didn't think he was dead already or anything. It's just you hadn't, I hadn't really thought about him in a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and so there you go. But it, it is, the thing about Fantasy Island is... Because I know he'd done stuff before that. I mean, he'd acted in, like, he'd done westerns, I think, and stuff. But oh, it, yeah. But Fantasy Island, is that's the thing that put him on the map. You know, that was the thing that, you know, that he became a household name. And it does go back to something we talk about frequently here, which is that, you know, that I think that era is sort of gone when you could be on, I mean, let's be honest, it was a bad show, Fantasy Island. Horrible. I mean, it was crap. Uh, but it didn't matter because there was only three channels. And so everything, almost by, def by default, had a 30 share, you know? Yeah. You know, it was it was the lore of the guest stars. Totally. Mm -hmm. And it was what kind of fantasies these people wanted. And Montauban or or Rourke always knew really, like he was God kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, like he knew really what they wanted, and they always got better than they expected. And and I remember an episode where he said it cost fifty thousand dollars for a three day stay on Fantasy Island. I don't remember. See, I always wondered about that because it seemed like they had never discussed money. It was fifty grand. I think it was the very first episode. I bet you you could YouTube that and find it. Interesting. But but it was fifty thousand dollars because he's looking at uh, tattoo and he said uh, someone he he it was a reference about uh, you know wow they're right on time again and and Villachez says well you know they on time all the time and you act like it's a miracle and he says for fifty thousand dollars a stay for three days they deserve miracles. I wonder but, if that's a thing they put. I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I was just thinking the only episode I can really remember, uh, like the back of my hand, I do remember the episode of Fantasy Island where it was Tattoo's birthday, and he himself, and it was revealed that for his birthday every year, uh, Rourke would, would grant Tattoo's fantasy. Ah. And it was like, and you think about that show now, and like, it really is, you know what it is? That show is basically like Wonka with one Oompa Loompa. I mean, that's, <laughs> right? Because you couldn't, it, like, I think, I don't think that they would cast that show that way now where there is you know and his assistant a small brown man like i just you know i don't think that you would do that now and maybe it didn't seem awkward then but it was just such a strangely it was such a strangely conceived program well now even back then though if rourke had been a eurocentric white man instead of a, a mexico city native with an accent i bet you there would have been some some controversy. Well, that's, that's true. I guess you know. So you know. So maybe it was just like. Uh, so maybe it wasn't weird then. It was, as you noted, though, it was such an odd concept that you would just have a, a plain load of tourists who would come, and that they had a fantasy. And I don't think it was ever really explained 
how Rorik had this magic ability to figure out what they wanted and then grant it. It was like, you want to write that he had some weird god power that was yeah. never really quantified. I think that was, I think that was the premise. I think it was, he, not that he was god directly, but he was some sort of um, angel or deity of some kind that it was always out for good and, and, and even, and these people paid dearly for what they thought they wanted that would make them happy. But they always learned something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah, they always learned something. It was like, uh, you know, it was always like a bit of a King Midas thing where they wanted the ability to turn something into gold but then realized that wasn't important. Yeah. Alright. Well, I, I think they had the same uh, guest stars or, 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 you know, character actors as Love Boat had. Well, it was very much, they were kind of flip sides of the same point, yeah. right? Because the deal on mm -hmm. Fantasy Island was, yeah, you go and get your fantasy and you learn something. Love Boat, blah, 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 meet somebody or break up with somebody or whatever, but then you learn something and at the end everybody's happy again and then... Uh, yeah, well, isn't that uh, great? Even good times, you learned a lesson. Yes. <laughs> now, really, it's just, uh, you know, now it's just, uh, it's just David Caruso just yeah. <laughs> pulling off his sunglasses and saying something oh. about, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh, this, <laughs> yeah, this fat lady isn't going to yeah. sing anymore, you yeah, know, or what? still fat. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, I have a question for you. This is actually not not on the list of stuff you're talking about, but I was talking to Lisa Desjardins about this, and uh, she had been in San Francisco for a couple of days, and we were discussing the fact that, relatively speaking, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of media coverage of this whole shooting in Oakland and then all the unrest that's kind of followed. Yeah, you know, I thought that same thing. I thought for sure I was going to be sent there because they found the guy, or, or they, the cop was arrested in Nevada. Today, right? Yeah, and he waived extradition, so he's on his way back to Oakland. And this uh, is for suspicion of murder? Yeah. I mean, and you... Uh, we're here. How many days of unrest up there? And we're uh, we're joined today by uh, uh, Dave Schmitke, who's a, a television uh, titan here in Portland, who's filling at the news desk. And so you know we're talking about the story in Oakland. You know, I've just heard a little bit about it. I, I haven't heard very much at all. See, that's the thing, is it's not getting a lot of coverage. It is... Well, Jim, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but it's... You know the Bay Area Rapid Transit, their their light right. their light rail system. It was you know a bunch of bunch of kids make, you know fighting and whatever causing causing trouble. Uh, and the cops come. It and was New Year's Day, wasn't it? New Year's Day, yeah. and the cops come and they're like, okay, you kids, you know whatever. And they you know the men and they, you know they they, they have them, I guess handcuffed or whatever. And there's cell phone video of this, which of course the only reason anybody knows about it. A couple different people with their cell phones, and for all the world, and I don't know, but for all the world, it looks like the cops have one guy down, face down, not moving. And then a cop just very, I mean, just pulls out his gun and just shoots the guy, like, in the back and kills now, him. The speculation is the guy thought he was pulling out his taser. Wouldn't they teach you, I mean, wouldn't those things be made to feel differently? Well, haven't you seen so. them? The, a taser is like this square, bulky, yellow thing. And your gun is uh, you know, a gun. something like that. Yeah, yeah. your gun is shaped like, it's gun shaped most and, of the And time. if you see that video... The cop that backs up with his back to you, and then the the, the cop that allegedly fired the shot, uh, are both standing there stunned. Yeah. Everybody around them yeah. are going, what the hell just happened? Yeah, no, even the other cops are like, oh, whoa, no, yeah. no, bad, I'm bad. Gonna, I'm going so to the, Vegas. Yeah. The sh so the shooter fled after that? No, the guy, he was a cop. I mean, the cop. Right, the cop, right. yeah. Yeah. No, but, but the cop fled? Well, he it? must have. They arrested him in Las Vegas. He I guess quit. he thought, you know. He retired. That was the thing. He quit the force. Oh. And so their whole thing of like, well, now they can't even fire him or discipline him to appease, you know, the community because like, he already quit. But then he ran to Vegas. He must have known that they were going to come for him at some point. So he ran to Vegas, and I guess they found him there this morning, and they charged him with, you know, with murder or some variation on that. So it's all, but there's been all of this, you know, this unrest and the riots and whatever, but it, I think maybe because there's so much other stuff in the news cycle right now, it's just it's just not getting a lot of coverage. Whereas a few years ago, it would have been every day they would have talked about it. Yeah. So it's very strange. 
Um, all, kinds, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, then you guys have got this. I mean, I don't know where were we where were we with the Screen Actors Guild thing. Oh, well, that's very weird too. They just had this marathon thirty-hour meeting over a two-day period. Uh, a, a faction. What we what we're told is the majority of the membership, the, the moderates in the group, but they didn't have enough signatures. Or something was wrong with the document they right. submitted to oust uh, Doug Allen, who's the executive director on the national board and also the chief negotiator. They wanted to throw out the committee and get a new negotiating committee in there that would start up talks with the uh, um, with with the studios. And apparently the hardliners in there uh, got on this filibuster. They wouldn't shut up. And this, the time ran out, so this thing just didn't fly. Plus, they didn't have enough signatures, as I mentioned. And so now, not only, but the problem is, not only did, is Doug Allen's job safe, I think some power has been taken away from him uh, because of all this, but still, the strike authorization vote, there's no telling when those ballots are going to be sent out, if at all. There's no telling when negotiations are going to be kicked up again with studios. And production is being stopped all over all over L.A., as far as major motion pictures go, the ones that are continuing, the ones that are already in production continue under the old contract. But now any new productions, the studios are trying to hire AFTRA um, union cardholders. And so major motion pictures are not moving forward as they should. And this so just seems like the weird. wrong time to be kicking up your... your well, that's energy. what everybody's saying. Even at the Golden Globes, you know, you're talking to, you know... Tom Hanks and those kind of guys who are definitely against the strike, and they're all saying, "Look, this isn't the right time for this." You know, I mean, here's the deal: you, we you strike up a three-year deal, get what you can out of the three years, make sure that all the elements are in there, new media, so on and so forth, even if it's just a small percentage, and then re-up it or, or, or fix it in three years when the economy like isn't in the crap. Yeah, yeah, I mean, anybody with an IQ above room temperature can figure that out, but apparently, this negotiating committee can't. All right. Well, I. Uh, so I was going to make some joke there, but I didn't even know what it was. I was trying to come up with some glib uh, comedy theme, but I, it just seems it just seems dumb. All right, well, um, so uh, are you? And this, Sarah pointed out that I always end every call with this, but are you going to be on tomorrow? And if, if, the reason I ask that is, a, because you know we like you, and also because we have the skedaddle here. But I, I want to talk about this secondhand smoke thing. So if you're going to be talking oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. tomorrow, I'll catch you about that then. Okay, great. All right. Until then, I just leave you with uh, Rich Corinthian lever, blah blah blah, <laughs> con, blah blah blah, welcome, blah blah blah, tattoo. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Jim. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. Hello, Dave. Thank Thanks so much. There you go. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Do you think it might be a good time for... Uh... Yeah, let's do this, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back and roll through more news with Dave uh, Schmitke, who's sounding fantastic, by the way. Well, thank you, darling. What is it? What is it? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was thinking of okay. Geek Watch. All right. Here's your Geek Watch. A Wednesday. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. <laughs> In the Quasar dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the... There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Excellent. Here's Dave Schmitke with your Geek Watch. Well, I know this is uh, probably keeping you all up uh, late at night, but the Indiana Jones game... Uh, contrary to popular opinion, has not been canned. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I don't oh. know what we're talking about. I was nervous for a minute there. In an attempt to put to bed rumors that the title has been axed, publisher LucasArts has said that the new, new details about Lucas the Lucas... Has there now ever been two words that don't go together oh, any, sure. any more than that? Especially after that last movie. I mean... Oh. Uh, all right. Oh, that was awful. Anyway, 
And I quote, LucasArts remains absolutely committed to the Indiana Jones franchise. While we are aware that fans have been eagerly awaiting additional information on the upcoming game. More than you can imagine. Oh, yeah. They can rest assured the details are forthcoming. Wow. There's a sound bite that says absolutely nothing. And this article is full of phrases that don't make any sense. A, putting Lucas and Art back to back. B, don't you think that, I mean, I understand that it's an industry term, but don't you think that once... The creative people at the company, i.e. George Lucas, whoever, once they are starting referring to it as a franchise, that's mm-hmm. when you know that just a worm has turned. I mean, really, like when the guy who is presumably, like, the visionary said, refers to it as a franchise, that's when you know that, it's like, just stay away. That is a sort of, uh, there's a distinctive death on it. Also, what you, uh, you said something in that there was some other inanity there at the end about uh, rest assured or... Uh, well... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the idea that we could ever rest assured that George Lucas would do anything that would then make us feel relaxed and peaceful about yeah. the future of a product is just... Well, you know, like, yeah, like George Lucas would miss an opportunity to make a buck. I mean, I know that the uh, the Indiana Jones Lego game uh, was great, and I'm not much for that for that, that, that franchise, because, you know, for the uh, for the 360, there's, like, Star Wars Lego, and there's Batman Lego, and there's, my wife is a big fan of those, and I'm, and I'm not so much. I know that those games are apparently really, really great, but beyond that, like, I didn't even know what they were... Boy, can I just tell you that? I was at Fry's the other day, uh, and I walk in, and you know when you walk into Fry's Electronics, you walk in, did you know that you can't sketch Fry's Electronics? There is a sign when you walk in, so read the sign sometime, it says, like, th- th- no photography, no sketching of the oh, store. Oh, no. Which makes you think of, like, That's a weird. Bob Ross with an easel and a charcoal <laughs> pencil. Okay, we're going to put a happy little tree right here. Here's a here's a happy little uh here's a happy little customer service representative who's gonna be rude and not tell you where the eighth inch to RCA adapter is. Yeah, you know, good good luck. Good luck and that that place freaks me out. I think my blood pressure goes up when I walk in there because it's sensory it's too much. overload. Yeah. And uh over here is gonna be the uh group of uh, sexless guys talking about motherboards. We're gonna put them right over here. <laughs> and uh this is gonna be uh right over here, final thing. This is gonna be uh, a little a happy little creepy guy uh, buying a pallet full of canned air. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, you can't sketch it. There's time. But wow. I, but you walk in, and the first thing you see when you walk into Fry's, once you get past that place of people returning their, their Vista, copies of Vista, is the big flat screen TV display that's always there. It's a huge flat. It's like an LCD. I don't think it's right. possible. Big LCD TV. And they've always got a different movie on there. And the goal is to see you watch it. Go, wow, look at the picture. Maybe I need one of these. And the, the last, and you go in there, and there's constantly people just standing there watching the movie because usually the picture is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You do just fall into watching. Yeah. You know, uh, like, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, like Dark Knight or whatever they're showing. So last time I went in, they were showing Indiana Jones of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. No one watching it. Well, of course. No one. It was like the deep woods off of, of LCD viewing. So. Well, you know, it's bad. I'm like, what, three minutes into the movie, and I can just sense my buddies looking at me with this look like, oh, we got to get, we gotta get out of here. There's another two hours of this to go. I, uh, I should have. We went to the midnight premiere, uh, and... Court and Fatboy had already, they'd already managed to see it earlier in the week at the critic screening. And it should have been a bad sign that when we went to the midnight showing of Indiana Jones, that they stayed long enough to say, like, hello to the crowd, and then they left. Are yeah. we going to see it a second time? No, we're going home. Like, I should have known. <laughs> we're going to go home and burn our memory. Yeah, that was, that was the yeah. canary in the coal mine. Uh, all right, well, let's, uh, there's your geek watch. We'll take a break. Come back after this. Don't go anywhere. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix.
Rick Emerson Radio Program, joined today by television titan Dave Schmidtke. Hello, sir. Hello. Hello. Hey, Hello, have you guys. seen the Hello. Slap Chop infomercial? No. Have you seen the Sham Wow commercial? I have seen Sham Wow. All right. And is that is that guy is he on math? Uh, no, I, I think he's, he's a comedian. His name is Vince something. Oh wow! But I've never seen his his comedy stuff. But I know that he is one. I think he's just full of life. He just looks like he's tweaking. Yeah, he does. He does look a little. Well, he's very. Th- you know what he reminds me of? We used to work with a guy named Tim Savage. Uh, and he looks exactly like him. He was yeah. He was a jock on KUFO, and he was. Uh, it, so this guy looks a lot like Tim Savage. If you all remember him, uh, he did also did a, a weekend show here called the Timnasium. And uh, if you were a blonde Tim Savage, and then if he were just to be like really, really, really excited, yeah. And I mean that's that's that guy. There's a new, but he's pitching a new. And so the sham wow, which by the way, I've never seen in person. I've only ever seen it on the the you know the TV. And oh, it's on all the time. Well, because yeah. all I have is like you know four channels that I get with my rabbit ears, so it's on constantly on there. You're one of those people who's going to be screwed, by the way. No, I ordered one of the boxes. Oh, really? Okay. There are two of them. Because my mom called me. She's like, "What about you know the the, the tra- transition to digital?" And she has cable. And I'm like, "Mom, oh, don't like, worry about yeah, it." Yeah, like thirty or forty bucks a piece yeah. or something. Um, but so Sarah is the one who kind of clued us into the ShamWow because I'd never really seen it, mm-hmm. uh, and so suddenly I became obsessed with it. And I kind of want to buy one. We should. I think they we should were. play the ShamWow commercial too. Do you have it? Oh yeah, no, but I'll get it. All right. Yeah, that's so funny because I, I hadn't seen one until last Saturday. I saw one live and in person, and they work. Now, you saw it actually demonstrated. Yes. Where at? I mean, it was, you don't have to say where, but I mean, like at a store? Oh, no, at a friend's house. Somebody had purchased it. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, I'm going to wait. it really like, worked? It seems to. I don't know how long it's going to. I mean, the, it's kind of like how people use, like, that hide stuff or whatever to, like, dry their cars. Oh, like a, micro, like a microfiber? Yeah, yeah. Like that? I, you know, are you a car dryer? I mean, I don't no. know if you wash your own car. I, 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 wash. I've never dried the car. Maybe no. that's a problem. I don't know. Some people are just really into washing cars. Ah. Me. No, I mean, I like, yeah, I, I mean, not that I don't take care of my car, but I'm not a car guy. Mm-hmm. Talking to, to Bobby, uh, Fat Boy, KUFO about this, that, 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 you know, he and I both are the same way about our cars. It's not like I, you know, I treat the car badly as such, but to me, I'm not a car guy like guys who are into cars for its own thing. To me, a car is a tool. Right. You know, I want it to work. I want it to be cost, you know, cost effective. I want to, you know, get good value for my money. And you know what? It's a thing to get me somewhere. That's the right. deal. Uh, the car is just a thing that transports me. I agree. So I don't spend a lot of time. I got to go out and wax my, you know, my car. Hell, I just sold mine for three hundred dollars. Seriously. <laughs> well, you know, it, it sounds like, and I, I had a period of my life where I went through cars like, like socks, and I had some of the junkiest cars. And you know, it sounds like you're three hundred dollars. This is pretty amazing. Was... I'm going to take some pictures. Mm-hmm. Before I give it to Richie, I should just take what it looks like right now. Yeah. I think something's, well, yeah, it's not running, and something's rotting in there. There's something dead and dying. Or... <laughs> yeah, and then there's something living, because I was, I was in there like doing something, and I heard like a little scuttling. Oh, yeah, there's a rat in the car, and then we found a blanket that was all chewed up. So that, there's yeah. something there. Not my problem anymore. <laughs> no. That so, was, uh, yeah, I was in a buddy's truck one time, and I popped open the glove box, and mice jumped out. Really? Yeah, it was really hard to look manly at this. Ah! <laughs> jump around. <laughs> That's the the ShamWow commercial, and I think Sarah's got it. The best part about this, and, and I don't think anybody noticed this until Sarah pointed it out, is that at one point Damn it, it just went away. he Hold talks it. about uh, how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. And if you watch it, clearly he'll say, you know, lasts up to 10 years. This and, one lasts 10 years. <laughs> and the 10 years is so clearly overdubbed later. Wow. And, and if it's you awesome, look, too, because he's selling it. Like, you know you're going to spend $20 a month on paper towels anyway. I'm like, uh what? No. But he also, at the very moment where he says 10 years, he man, he blocks his mouth with the sham wow, which you don't really notice until it's pointed out. Then it's really obvious. And he's bringing the sham wow up and across his like, face. <laughs> 10 years. And as it passes his face, we hear that 10 years. 
You know, and it's, it's so badly back. overdubbed. But he's got a new one, and it's called the Slap Chop. And the Slap Chop, I forget what Don Taylor said yesterday, but it's like some older product, like the Dyna Chopper or whatever. Uh-huh. And you know, it's like a it's like a plastic cylinder with a plunger handle. I've seen that. You put it on the counter, yeah. and you hit the plunger, bop, 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 and it chops things up inside the cylinder. Wasn't that thing around in the seventies? Yeah, the same exact thing. Yeah, but he's got but but the new one, the Slap Chop. Uh, that is like, I guess that's the, like, the, you know, same thing. You know, this is same, same thing, different label. Uh, and the great thing about it is, is that, as you said, and I'm not saying he's on drugs, but the whole thing is pitched as though he is just speeding out of his mind oh, yeah. on something. So when we come back, we'll, we'll play the whole thing on inside. Let's do uh, a story or two here, and then we'll take a break. Okay, let's get a little local. You actually talked about the, the, the movie that you like with the, with the, the robot. Well, actually... Uh, authorities say a robot stolen a week ago from Portland State University professor's car has been found in Commonwealth Lake. Who keeps a robot in their car? Uh, well, apparently Professor uh, Eric Sanchez does, or did. Probably won't anymore. But uh, the Washington County Sheriff's Marine Patrol Unit retrieved the robot after a resident called to report seeing what was believed to be a generator in the water. The 90-pound robot is 29 inches long, 19 inches high, and about 23 inches wide. It's valued at five grand, and uh, Professor Sanchez used it as a teaching tool. By the way, I don't think you should be allowed to call something a robot if it's not human size. Well, yeah, and you think about the dimensions of this thing. I mean, it seems like it's more like one of those robots. You used to have a show where they'd fight the robots. Battlebots. Battlebots, that's it. Yeah. I don't have that anymore. That was kind of fun. No, they had Battlebots, battlebots and they had Robot Wars. Oh. Um, no, it's like you always you're like, and I've designed a robot that, and then it always turns out it is like eight inches high, and then really the only thing it can do is like walk forward and then tip over, you know. And you're like, it like if it can't serve me drinks, uh, it's not a robot, yeah. you know. So uh, let's do one more here, and then we will take right. a break. Salem police arrest a lawyer and his wife on drug charges. Authorities say a West Salem lawyer and his wife have been arrested on marijuana charges. Uh, Lieutenant Jim Engelmeyer of the Salem Police says William Billy Carl. See, I think if you have a nickname of Billy, uh, you, you're Milgram. probably going down a Bad wrong news. road anyway. And, and his wife, Stacy, were both arrested on January 2nd. Uh, police found two and a half ounces of marijuana, drug residue, residue and, and paraphernalia <laughs> at the couple's home. Uh, also seized a handgun and a shotgun. So, they, you know, you, you use this attorney and you, you just get a, you get a double deal. You represented well in court. And, By know, the way, the phrase club. drug paraphernalia is always kind of funny because and I think paraphernalia, I think like accessories and like hats and shirts. So I always picture like one of those big, you know, like one of those varsity flags you hang in the wall, like a pennant, but it says like, you know, crack or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's paraphernalia, like a big foam finger, though, that like is holding a base pipe. Or something. <laughs> I like right. it. Paraphernalia is so open-ended. It could be just about anything. And if I mentioned that you sound fantastic, Dave. Well, oh, thank you, Rick. You I'm really are quite wonderful. Sure. No, yeah, we're glad you're wonderful. here today. Well, you guys are just fun to hang with. No, no, no. Let's are. all hug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure why I did that. You know, this room does weird things to people. <laughs> this is like the time Don Taylor was here, and she wasn't here like five minutes. She wanted to tell us some story about a gynecological visit. Oh, I won't be doing that. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's break, shall we? We come back. Uh, we'll do this. Uh, we'll play this informal uh, for the Slap Chop, which has one of the best lines in it you've ever heard, Dave. Okay. Now I can't back. wait. All right. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Here's some cola. Wine, coffee, cola, pet stains. Not only is the damage going to be on top, there's your mildew. That is going to smell. See that? The most of We're going to do this in real time. Look at this. Put on the spill. Turn it over. Without even putting any pressure, 50% of the cola right there. You follow me, camera guy? The other 50%, the color starts to come up. No other towel is going to do that. It acts like a vacuum. And look at this. Virtually dry on the bottom. 
See what I'm telling you? Sham wow, you'll be saying wow every time. I can't live without it. I just love it. Oh, my gosh. I don't even buy paper towels anymore. If you're going to wash your cars or any kind of vehicle, you'd be out of your mind not to own one of these. All I can say is sham wow. You're going to spend $20 every month on paper towels and your money away. The mini sham wows are for everything, for everyday use. This lasts 10 years. This lasts a week. <laughs> Ah, it's great. And the Isn't customers all sound like... It's last 10 years. And it's not just him. Like The customers all sound like they're on crack. Yeah. Well, you know, you follow me, camera guy? I bet you the camera guy wants to kick him right Seriously. Like, I've had somebody go, like, producer, producer, yes. before I'm just like, excuse me? Yes, your hands are so lightning fast, I cannot follow uh, Making them. a mental note to... But to snap your fingers. No, it's making a mental note to, uh, to look into that David Letterman thing. So I'm pretty sure I heard the like, our all-new Christmas special. All right. Well, and oh, we don't have time to play the nuts. We'll fix it. What? what? Play the, never mind. Sarah, there's always time for that. Yeah. Uh-huh. You've got to prioritize. The Okay, so that was the Sham Wow guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and then... Vince Offer, that's his name. His new infomercial is for the Slap Chop. And I, I, I don't okay. have time to play you, unfortunately. we got to play this earlier. Because you know what, Sarah, this is the second time in a row I've done this. Yeah. That I've tried to cram part of it at the end of the show and it doesn't work. Well, let's, oh. give, away, let's give out some um, Dave's information. Well, just real quickly. So here's this. Hi, it's Fitz with Slap Chop. You're going to be in a great mood all day because you're going to be slapping your troubles away with a <clears> Slap Chop. Now, look, here's a... All right, there's that. But he gets oh, later okay. on where he's chopping a series of products. And then this is out of context, but this is when he says this. In other words, there's no lead up to this. He just says... You're going to love my nuts. And then he chops up a bunch of, like, walnuts or whatever, so. Oh, God. Well, there you go. So uh, tomorrow I'll try to, in the first hour, I'll try to build the whole thing. Okay. Whoa. What, the, what is that? Oh, that was my computer. No, it wasn't anything. It was, okay. it was William Shatner. All right. I was just wondering. <laughs> I couldn't hear. It sounded like a voicemail message being played over the air, and I was all, oh, do I need to dump whatever that was? All right. Dave Schmidtke, uh, what is your contact info should folks wish to uh, contact you? Well, uh, dschmidtke at comcast.net is my email address. D-S-C-H-M-I-T-K-E at Comcast.net, and I'll put it on my website. And we're thinking about getting our little home improvement show back on the air again on Saturday mornings on KPTV Channel 12. How would you go about doing that? Well, I think we'd have to buy the the time from the station and then sell the show ourselves. So I will be out. I will be out besides producing and hosting the the home improvement and garden show. I will be whoring it as well. Excellent. So if people have uh, other information, if they would like to support you in that endeavor, this might be a good place to start, this email address. dschmidtke at comcast.net. We'll be sure to put that up tonight, my friend. Thank Thanks, you so buddy. much for coming in. It's you been a joy. Fun. It's awesome. really been a pleasure. I right, love having fun with you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kassam, I'm James Roop as well. Join us tomorrow, and I guess we'll include Mr. Skin at MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom. Dave Schmidtke on the phones. Uh, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru Susan. Don't have with me, Reynolds. Uh, like is next. See you tomorrow. Bye now. Come! You're going to love my nuts. Come!